want to get into it? Yeah. Is it that time? It is. Uh, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Pull out your pussies. Hello, here I am. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's some right good space work leg. for an audio medium. <laughs> And welcome to the Autopod Decepticast, your bi-weekly podcast that delivers an episode-by-episode breakdown of the original G1 series. Today is episode, looking at Ryan's notes, 188, we match up, (laughs) Dark Awakening, an episode that aired October 1st, 1986, unless I... No, you're right. Okay, everything's good so far. All right. Hey, gang. Hey. We consistently recount our adventures together, and this will be the case today as well. The year was 1916. (laughs) A young Mexican villager named Carmen seeks a hero that can rescue her town from a villainous bandit, El Guapo. (laughs) She happens upon a silent movie depicting the three amigos, Ryan, Caleb, and me. She reaches out via telegram to L.A. She's begging for help, but we interpret it as a sweet movie deal. Well, my little buttercups, the APDC amigos were off to Mexico. You guys, I, I'm sure you guys remember this. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I remember well, the weirdness of watching this while I was in a hotel in Mexico. Oh, <laughs> that was really? Interesting. <laughs> Through it's a like, s- just like being there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Through a series of frankly unbelievable events, we execute our ridiculous stage stunt antics and manage to convince the villagers we've saved them from El Guapo's raiders. We party it up, we drink with the muchachos, smooch the senoritas, but the next day, El Guapo's men come back. They shoot Ryan, rob the village, and kidnap Carmen, who you may remember as the villager who contacted us in the first place. Mm-hmm. Gotta say, this is all pretty embarrassing. We leave town, but when we realize we have nothing to go back to in Los Angeles, I forgot to mention we were fired and blacklisted from our studio we were working for, we turn around and we stepped up for a chance to be a real American hero. (laughs) We made our way to El Guapo's birthday party where he plans to smash Carmen without consent. We sneak into the compound, but we're ultimately captured. Caleb shoots a German who's sort of a... Side villain, I didn't really feel like giving a major role in this version of the tale, uh, except to say that we stole that German's plane that he was using to run guns to the El Guapo gang. So uh, we return to the original village with El Guapo's goons giving chase. We teach the villagers to stand up on their own, too. We leverage some tricks from our Hollywood days to create a whole village of amigos that rally together and effectively defended themselves from the gang, ultimately fatally wounding El Guapo, who shoots Ryan in the foot right before dying. And then we rode off into the sunset. And that was one of our adventures. Uh, The moral of the story is when one group of white people messes your village up, the only way to solve that is by having other white people help you. I'm trying to understand how that's the moral. What is the first group? The Germans. Oh, I thought... But um, it was mainly the... The Germans were just uh, a side... They were just bringing them guns. They were providing the the weapons, yeah. I think the Mexican banditos are really the villain. (laughs) 
they're going to get those guns from somebody. Okay. Well, edit all that out, and I'll just say this. <laughs> Lip balm? <laughs> I struggle with whether I find um, Chevy Chase funny anymore. It, looking back, even, I'm like, was he ever funny? Uh, but that scene with the with the water, uh, whether in the desert, is pretty funny. It's awesome. But, but that's mainly like, I don't know, I, maybe anybody could have done it. It's, it is had, good, though. He had legit deadpan comedic yeah, timing. Yeah, I still like, I mean, Fletch's. Christmas Vacation. And yeah. I'm sure, and I know you guys like that go- crazy golf movie. It's true. He's good in that. Caddyshack. <laughs> that crazy golf movie. <laughs> yeah. You know that one. It's called Nine Holer. <laughs> I liked Caddyshack. I liked the, ori- the original Lampoon Vacation. But you're right. If you if you look at it retrospectively, it, you sometimes question it. But uh, well, I mean, he's, a, he's, he's just a, he's a notorious a, dick. He's a piece that's of, true. He's a piece of shit now, I think. But lots of pieces of shit are you know had medium talent. talent. Uh, that's the, that's uh, the best Bell insult Mary, ever. So great. Here's a fun little uh, tidbit of trivia. The film was written by Steve Martin. We're talking about Three Amigos, and if that wasn't a real adventure, oh. everybody. But it was written by Steve Martin, Lorne Michaels, and singer-songwriter Randy fucking Newman. Oh, really? Who contributed. I wrote that movie. <laughs> you like to see it. Three it, guys walking around. It was Ryan imitating the family guy imitation <laughs> of true. Randy Newman. It's sort of like how when I do, uh, oh, fuck, uh, George H.W. Bush, I'm really just doing the Dana Carvey impression of George Bush. <laughs> Yeah, some imitations are more popular uh, than the real things. Is there any Randy Newman songs in that movie? He contributed three songs, uh, three original uh, songs, including the aforementioned "My Little Buttercup," which I was surprised to hear that because I assumed that was just sort of a an Amer- American uh, staple. Yeah, I agree. I did not know that. So cool that he was able to just get into that style. All right, well, uh, what's going on around here? This is typically where uh, we might update the listener on our exciting lives. I have a, a, a quick tip for the listeners. If Okay, so just for anybody who wants to like be successful, if you have already said you have like a hard stop time, make sure you arrive at least half an hour late. Oh, here we go. Because it tells people your time doesn't matter, only my time matters. I feel like this is a very uh, pa- it it's might like, be it's like a it's passive like, aggressive it's passive aggressive but also pointed. I guess okay. something can be passive aggressive and direct at the same time, right? I really tried, and I'm sorry that there was a number of factors that came up. I had to pick up Aaron, and I had to take my kids somewhere. I had to leave a campground in Marshfield. Yeah, it'd be more understandable if it didn't also happen when you had nothing going on or if there weren't an app that told you exactly how long it took to get places i'm not mad how uh, would you like to well you brought it up how would you like to resolve this ryan, ryan i'm fine i just acceptable resolution. my resolution was just saying it and now i feel better caleb do you have a response it's one of my pet peeves this lateness in general uh no i don't have a response well don't leave caleb because you're my ride home that's true. <laughs> unless, like, and, like, the end I of the show. No, I, I mean, really, I have to pick my son up at three, so I'll have to leave no matter what. Uh-oh, be ready. I think Be we'll ready be fi- for hey. the next episode we record to be half an hour. <laughs> and just Ryan. Look, I'm, yeah, look I'm sorry, all right? I'll, tr- I'll try to do better next time. Well, I appreciate that. And I, um, I, I'm not really mad. I was irritated. 
There's no guest. Like something that could have been handled off mic. <laughs> no, no. There's no guest. I think we have no problem doing it. I was just worried. It was mainly just worried. And it's, all, like I said, just a pet peeve of mine. And we're accounting. For, I mean, the time talking about this is robbing us from our precious It's all right. My, my second question is, have you prepared your nuclear war plan for your families? Is that based on my text? Oh, just in general that uh, Putin's crazy and might start slinging nukes. <laughs> I think that was always a worry. Uh, he's got the, the, the he could do them tacticals. Yeah, it's which true. even them tacticals you are going to get washed up in the wind and sent over well, all over the Europe or the European arena. The, like I said, the nice thing, yeah, the, well, yeah. If you use like hydrogen bombs, the nice thing is the fallout's relatively negligible. It's not nothing because a, a hydrogen bomb. The fun thing is it's activated with an atomic bomb, which is fucking crazy. Um, but it, uh, like he's just, I feel like he, like losing face in the Ukraine, which Ukraine doing awesome. That's a pro con is that him losing face and like never wanting to back down, uh, is scary. Hey, but he has cancer. So maybe, uh, does he, he'll die. Putin's dying. Nuclear war. Let's let's talk about that. Where were we? Not fast enough. (laughs) We're, what else is going on? <laughs> Home, homecoming week, kids, high school, Ryan. It's rapidly job. TFCon time. TFCon. Oh, that sounds relevant. Yeah, We're going to be at TFCon. Epi- By the time this comes out, are we going to be... No, our next episode 189 will come out while we're in TFCon. It'll come out the Sunday, that Sunday of TFCon. Well, Ryan, I think we need something to lighten things up around <laughs> right? here. Why don't you whip up something I have that's going to fun for us. cause Caleb and I to black out and reawaken somewhere cold, lonely, and squishy. <laughs> Get that ready, was, everybody. That was pretty much my experience last night when I was uh, camping in Marshfield. So you were Ta- camping out like you weren't in the RV? Correct. Well, we, had, we, uh, we all went to uh, do Cub Scout camping in Marshfield last night. It's primitive camping. Oh, so this is a family camping. You guys are it's called, taking it's it seriously. Called, it's called, yeah, we take things seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. We try. So, yeah, so we um, uh, got there last night, set up in the dark, and uh, uh, I slept in a tent last night. Didn't get much sleep, but then I made sure to get up at 7.30 this morning and have Harrison out of the campground, like, actually 10 minutes ahead of time. We were on the road. Yeah, it has gotten really cold overnight, like really fast here. Like the past two weeks, it's been in the 40s. Yeah. Why was it squishy? Because my air mattress kept losing air. <laughs> Did you have to fill it up every like, no, wake up in the No, I was too fucking tired. Just fold it in half. No, I just, laid, I just let it deflate and tried to stay warm. Do you and Harrison share a tent? The four of us share a tent. Okay, so Andy and uh, they're, they're and there, Kenny right? Are out there. Oh yeah, like I it, was it would thinking, be this is it a would, Boy Scout event. It is a Boy Scout event. Okay, but it's a family. It's called family camp. Yeah, actually, it's for Kenny. So Kenny and Andy are there today, uh, because the reason that we're doing it is for Kenny, and so because he's a he's a Cub Scout, mm-hmm. and then <clears throat> um, Harrison just happened to have another event with a kid. And so I brought him back into town, dropped him off, as you're aware, and then I'm going to pick him back up today and then go back out and spend the night in the camp, in the tent again tonight. Do you need an air mattress? I've got one. That... No, it's, no, it's fine. Do you guys have it? So no electricity? No electricity. That sounds like a vibe. Do you have to catch your food? No, we use coolers. <laughs> we bring food in. 
doesn't sound as roughing it as maybe. It's not. I'd imagine. It's not. <laughs> He's calling you out as a pussy. I thought you were a real outdoorsman. I'm not. <laughs> More I, than me. Shit. I miss my camper. I haven't slept in a tent in over four years, and I don't miss it a bit. No, it sucks. I got about cup. I got. I didn't sleep well last night. Uh, how many kids are out here? How many people are at this event? Oh, I don't know. Not very many. Probably around thirty. Are the Cub Scouts still going strong in this area? I don't know. I was not prepared for these questions. <laughs> I I just didn't have that. I just didn't do that stuff. I didn't. Stuff. Either. No, I, didn't either. I didn't either. All right, Ryan is oh, presenting. Yeah. Some people are all about it. I'm just kind of me and Harrison. His last year at residence camp, like Dad, I don't want to do this anymore. And I said, oh, I said yeah. that's fine. If we can make it to February, then then we don't have to do it again. And you thought you were out, but then Kenny he pulled you back interest. in. Well, yeah, Andy's kind of spearheading <clears throat> that. I've kind of taken a back seat. I was a den leader and everything. Oh wow! What what a, we did bring our. Tiki mugs yes, provided our... by friends of the show, Emma and Trey. Mm-hmm. That's right. I said Emma first, Trey. Because I bet it was her idea to buy us this nice set. <laughs> I love the discourse you've just imagined. <laughs> All right. Creating this is... animosity for no reason. Yep. Like me. <laughs> this is the Prime Zombie Punch. There's about a million tiny variations of a zombie punch, the tiki drink. Um, so this is one of them that kind of hues close to theoretically the original. Like tiki drinks, notoriously, their creation are like there's a bunch of secret ingredients that are kept close to the best and then are lost. Um, there's a lot of ingredients here. I try to be approachable. Uh, like most tiki drinks, you usually have a lot of ingredients. Um, so you know this one, I try to make things where it might be possible for you to make this as well so what you have is one and a half ounces or 45 mils of jamaican rum i used appleton estate one and a half ounces of puerto rican rum i used bacardi one ounce 30 mils of 151 rum i use lemon heart 151 because they don't sell bacardi 151 anymore um half ounce or 15 mils of dawn's mix which is two parts grapefruit juice to one part cinnamon simple syrup just make simple syrup, boil it with cinnamon in it. Um, a half ounce velvet falernum, which is a sugarcane rum-based alcohol, very common in, in tiki drinks. It has like almond and clove flavors. That sounds like uh, a part of the penis. <laughs> I sprained my velvet falernum. <laughs> Uh, three quarters ounce or 22 mils of lime juice. Uh, quarter ounce, seven mils of grenadine. Two dashes or spritzes of absinthe and a dash of Angostura bitters. Add all the ingredients to a cocktail shaker and shake with ice. Strain into a tiki mug over fresh crushed ice. And then garnish with a mint sprig. And long for the sweet release of the cold interstellar grave. 24% ABV is it what is, I would estimate this concoction to You be. know, you're very smart. You're very fast on the uptake. You did that math just, in your head. You did, told me all that stuff. I was kind of like piece by piece. Uh, shall we get into it? Shall we cheers? Sure. I guess, is it all mint and just those are buds? Or those yeah, that's buds? the mint flowers. They're, they're flowering at this time. Ooh, nice. What's the alcohol in this? Uh, it is three kinds of rum. Um, um, like a ha- one and a half ounces Jamaican rum. One half ounce of Puerto Rican rum, and then one ounce of one fifty one. I can taste wow. that falernum. <laughs> yeah, that's a hot, run your tongue across. It's velvety. That's a hot drink. 
<laughs> I mean, it's like it's it's uh, you can really taste the rum in it. <laughs> the- Sorry, I thought you were trying to be uh opposite day and you were like instead of saying it's refreshing you're like it's a hot hot drink i i i made this i don't okay full disclosure i don't particularly care for this drink oh really um i well for tiki drinks it's definitely my least favorite i've ever had i'm like just give me a mai tai but um but i made this just because it was so like on the nose for this episode mm-hmm. and so i'd had it scheduled for a long time and i tried like four different variations death and co the book like the the bar that is very, was very popular and like uh, ben bought me that book for uh, christmas um has a recipe that i tried and hated so speaking of zombies and and uh, birthdays there's yours is upon us it's gr- coming up this, oh. when's this coming out this is coming out i believe the 8th Okay. Of, of October, so next Ninth. weekend. Ninth, yeah, next weekend, and then we have the twenty third. Yep. Well, That's... too bad we don't have a gift for you for the next recording session or for this. Eh. Uh, the gift is the gift of friendship. It's the friends we made along what, the way. What can we possibly get each other that we would really enjoy this much? I, mean, I got sure a list. Of things. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, despite your dislike for Do it. Do you like it, Caleb? Yeah, I like it. Do okay. you have more? Uh nope, this is it. Mm. I mean, it's a lot. Like it's uh, it. about uh, six ounces of liquid on the crushed ice. So, hey, it's that time to shout out <laughs> some new patrons that we have to the podcast. Caleb, is there a People? shout out uh, jingle? <laughs> uh, nope. Okay, <laughs> if you want to shout out <laughs> podcasts, just re- just. I Just would. Recycle. What would be great is to play that in the background, and then over it, you say the podcast. <laughs> just like cut it, just drop yeah. it in real hard. <laughs> Patron. Uh, the first I w- we would love to mention uh, John Triclops, a new friend from the Providence area. Mister Triclops is a graffiti writer, graphic designer, painter, and photographer whose work you should check out right now at Flickr dot com slash Triclops. That's Clops with a K. Would it be with the C typically? Cyclops would be with the C. Okay. Yep. Yeah. K with a K. Three eyes is what it means. <laughs> In addition to schooling us on Rhode Island's organized crime culture and how colonists hose the Native American tribes of the Northeast, he also let us know that pizza in Rhode Island is generally Sicilian style, which means it's on a baking sheet cut into rectangles. There's so many different styles of pizza. I didn't even know Detroit pizza existed until this year. It's, Have it's you never weird, had Little Caesars? Detroit's a weird pizza. <laughs> Detroit's style is a weird pizza. Perhaps the best of the best is Twins Pizza or Uncle Tony's, not to be confused with Tony's Pizza, which God, you can I buy at your grocery gonna... store for $3. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Uncle Tom's. <laughs> Thank God I didn't. <laughs> Caleb, John also let us know that we don't know shit about brass monkeys. Yeah. Uh-huh. He proclaims that it is not a mixed drink or anything refined such as that, but it is straight street jet fuel. He said that uh, the proper way to do it is you drink the neck of a 40 and then you fill it back up with some kind of brandy or cognac, E&J, his particular choice when back in his drinking times. And then you kill that bottle before it gets warm and then uh, mayhem ensues. Ugh. What? And. 
Why was this directed at me? Oh, because we t- I we talked about brass monkeys a couple of episodes oh, ago, yeah. and you I think you looked up a particular recipe, oh, yeah. and uh, so and did uh, just, Kit, and it, so yeah, we didn't. Yeah, but, but this but sounds that's legit. not the legit. And it, I, you know, I'll take it from an East Coaster. Although uh, Kit and Harper are East Coasters. Yeah, I don't think uh, that was their Buffalo. jam. Yeah, they are also. I w- yeah, they're, I don't they're think like Buff- Zers. Would Buffalo Z-ers. count as an East Coast city? It's in New York. I don't know. It's, it's seems, on the Hudson. It feels or, closer to New York. No, it's not the Hudson. It's no, on. it's up on the lake. It's up on. Uh, yes, yeah. is that? I'm so bad at. I guess, I consider lake the Erie? state of New York East Coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but that doesn't matter. I feel like maybe culturally, from ge- like generationally and geographically, <laughs> it seems like a very removed from the brass monkey. It stage seems like alive. a very East Coast Gen X drink. Yes, I agree. As to transform, oh Brian, put it in the lineup. By the way, it was recommended. Oh, okay. We, we oh should, God! All right, we should do a. Okay, one. boom! Now we should. <clears throat> I have I have a an Excel spreadsheet of all the drinks that I have planned out. I keep, I shuffle them around, um, and every time we get you know a bias a drink, I try to stack those early, which we have a lot coming up. As to Transformers, ever since John was a child, he was obsessed with the colors, shapes of these characters. The the, the geometry uh, would later influence his graffiti work. He loves Grimlock and G1, although he's watched all the shows except Energon. He has a collection between 2,000 and 2,500 figures, which blows oh. me away. I just counted my display. Uh, yeah, our because... friend... Um... <laughs> Come on. Haley. <laughs> Uh, Definitely edit out that hesitation. <laughs> I, no, no, that makes it better. I'm sorry, Ailey. Um, uh, uh, randomly DM'd us and asked how many figures you have. <laughs> yes, and I, I counted it up to around 430. I was way low. I like I how guess. Ryan was like, I don't know, like 120. I said like 126. And, I and was way low. 400, and, no, which I would have never been able to. I wouldn't have guessed that high either. Yeah. I was, you have a lot of Transformers. I do. I, I, I do. I'm, you should I'm, insure I'm that collection because it's tens of thousands of I, dollars. I think about it a lot, and then I just don't. All right. Is it not automatically covered under your homeowners? I don't think it is. Or I think to be safe, you should probably. You got pictures. I mean, you could show the agent. Listeners. Mm-hmm. Reach out if you insure your collections. Are you I, I an think, insurance agent? I think <laughs> I know. I, I won't give away anybody's details. I think I know of at least one that uh, does insure their collection. But anyway, I don't have twenty or two thousand to twenty five hundred. I would love, and, and you can actually see his collection. I don't understand how it works, and I didn't write it here on the page. But Mister Triclops sent. A, there's a link to. I, it's like a website that you can catalog <laughs> all of your collection and his is oh, cataloged there that's cool but so thank you to john and everyone please check out his work once again flickr.com slash triclops with a k a lot of good stuff good photography yeah I, graffiti artwork i love it so much i was recently in i think it's called the winwood area of miami and it was one of the most mm-hmm. amazing inspirational places i've ever been i don't know the history of it completely but basically what's happened is it's a whole zone of this particular district of miami where graffiti is legal and you just do it anywhere and there's wow. lots of pieces cool. that are you know done by high-end artists but 
you can you you do it anyway. I mean, it's just everywhere. It's amazing. They're on the way to my office. Uh, you, there's a it go there's an underpass and there's a train track that goes over it and often there are train cars that are just sitting there. I don't know why, but there's some gorgeous graffiti on them. Yeah. There's books out there about the graffiti art uh, on train cars. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's because they're normally parked in places that are relatively secluded. Yeah. So you can get out there and get your art up without getting much trouble. But yeah, that dates way back. You know, the word bully comes from train uh, bulls, they were called, the people that uh, that uh, patrolled the train yards uh, searching for hobos. I did my, not know that. My dad would come across hobos sometimes on the railroad. Hobo also, not a pejorative, it's a term for someone who travels uh, for work but does not have a home. Oh. Well, I don't know about these guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know they about used, the guys your dad was roughing up. <laughs> well, he, didn't, was he, bullying. Didn't rough up. he didn't rough them up. No, they'd find them sometimes and they'd like just leave them alone or give them a sandwich. Yeah. And just let them, they'd just leave them alone. So your dad... I, I, I guess I can't remember. I know your dad was a union guy for Burlington Northern. I assumed he was a machinist or something. Like, what was what was he doing? He was a, in the union, the machinist union. He, basically, he was a, a train mechanic. So if a train is broken down, mm. they go and they, like if it's broke down somewhere, they go and they get it working so that they can get it into the, limp it into the shop. And then when it's in the shop, then they fix it. Mm-hmm. And so he worked on giant uh, electro diesel engines. Wow! Where you got cylinders that are so big you could actually like sit inside the cylinder. Oh God! So it's like that kind of size. The things your dad chugga chugga can do is amazing. Like his workshop is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, did he have a favorite wrench? He has all kinds of crazy wrenches. <laughs> <laughs> His wrenches will blow you. Some of them mind. are bedazzled. <laughs> some of them, yeah. Some of them, he's he he's made tools that fit a specific purpose. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. like a, 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 an analog three D printing. Yeah, they call it welding <laughs> and cutting. <laughs> I just have to put it in terms I can understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fucking Jesus! Certain Sorry, everybody. The cat just knocked all my notes off. That was wild. That was a miscalculation on the cat's part. <laughs> she the, really didn't the kind, think it would slip kind, like that. The kind that you don't normally see from a cat. Yeah. You wouldn't. That cat wouldn't do well on the road. Where did Onyx? <laughs> where did she jump from? She was right next to my foot. Oh. Anyway, that's the old. That's the old. Cool. Rail, oh, that's the old railroad, and uh, that's hobos. <laughs> so thank you, John Triclops, for uh, your contribution to the uh, APDC. Welcome to the community. Uh, even though actually you've been in it for a while, but the, mm-hmm. the timing was weird on our recording. So next up, we have a Chicagoland listener. Mm-hmm. We've got, we got a number of patrons from Chicago. We got a we got a Chicago party going on here. Justin Betty, who proactively reached out with some very kind words. He discovered the Autopod Decepticast after his daughter was born, and the APDC became his companion during late-night feedings, walks, Mm. car rides. uh, It's Mm -hmm. it's kind of a a companion that doesn't help you out at all. (laughs) (laughs) It takes your mind off the situation. (laughs) It's sort of... When I listen to podcasts or watch, like, certain YouTube videos, I feel like it's just kind of like... I mean, it's a one-way street, but it is like kind of like hanging out with friends. I am a huge fan of parasocial relationships. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but he has been powering through the show in about a year. 
It's not a competition. I think some people have powered through faster. But <laughs> but I'm making it a competition. <laughs> you slacking. <laughs> Maybe even people from the Chicago area. Oh shit! You guys can have an APDC yeah. listen Rumble. off. What would be the? What's the like? I'm, there, there'd have to be like a limit. Like if you listen to it, like the the only um, the maximum time would be mm-hmm. or the, the shortest time would be actually the total length of all of our shows which i'm trying to even imagine well this is episode 188 so you could you i mean you could listen to a show every other day for a year no i mean like let's say like like, how long how much content oh yeah good question yeah. I'll figure out how much it's physically possible based on like staying awake 16 hours listening nonstop. Yeah, you can't. Oh, I'm it's sorry, cheating. I wasn't connecting with what you it's guys che- were saying. It's I got cheating. It. This you can't sleep through it. No, you have to stay awake. Yep. Hello, friends. Ryan here. I crunched some numbers. We're all interested in this. If you add up all of our episodes, it comes out to 13,947 minutes, which equals 232 hours, which equals 9.7 total days. If you listen to our podcast for 16 hours a day straight, it would take you 14.5 days to listen to all of our melodic gold that's just spun out into the universe. That's it. Back to the show. I didn't mean to take I, I I guess I did mean to take away from Justin's accomplishment, but uh <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, we're impl- if you think your shout out isn't gonna include something shady. <laughs> He's gonna be caught up by the time this publishes, I guarantee. Uh Justin grew up with Transformers. He memorized every line of the movie and roll for it, as that was the set of uh wow. tapes that he had Jesus. growing up. Um as a late eighties kid, he loved the flashy colors. Uh, and who doesn't love fighting robots? Mm-hmm. His favorite continuity is Transformers Animated because it is a love letter to the original show but has plot lines that aren't, quote, bonkers and incoherent, unquote, like G1, which, uh, again, I know you guys probably haven't watched that one. I would be more interested in doing that show than Beast Wars. I think but, that, y- y- well, let's just, I know, I let's, know, just I know. let's just accept the fact that the way things are going, we'll just do them both anyway. <laughs> Kayla's just counting the days until he dies. Yeah. It'll be me like it'll be me like me like rolling up in like a walker and Ryan yelling at me why I'm late. <laughs> and Caleb's like these tennis balls kept yeah. me from. Yeah, I had to still pick up faster. fucking Aaron. I literally had to pick him up. I had to carry him to the vehicle. And he's just a corpse. Yeah, we're just dragging this is a jar around. of ashes. I had to go pick him up. Uh, Ryan's still so... here in this house. <laughs> Fucking van still out front. What was it you said? Tree things are hard to it. notice in this house sometimes. Oh <laughs> like yeah, like a collier mansion. I, I knew what he meant. Well, there's, there's a, just so there's so much. There's uh, an enormous ephemera. I don't know so, if that's the right uh, word. Ephemera. 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 <laughs> You're an ephemera. That's the name of my ephemera. third daughter. Ephemera. Ephemera jet. It's, it's like a. It's like a. It's like a flea market in here. It's, it's like a, <laughs> it is. It's like oh, I no. I tell you what, it's like it's like in Grim in uh, Gremlins where they that will the, the store that Gizmo's bought in. Where you had to go down the steps into the Chinese. Yeah, this store. is it. Like, um, yeah, try to spot something in there <laughs> new. Oh, I didn't see that before. Ryan's like, didn't you see the thing? I'm like, I see a lot of things. So many things. I have thing blindness. Yeah. <laughs> 
There, there's a Whoa. lot of, uh, there's so much visual stimuli here. <laughs> there's almost no visual stimuli. It's called maximalism. <laughs> 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 Bringing it back to art history. <sighs> back to Justin, if mm-hmm. we may, for a moment. He loves the concept of punch and counter punch, which I'll explain what that is, Caleb. That I is, had that guy. Uh, did you really? Yep. Explain that to me. <laughs> because it is very. I, it's I don't weird. Know that, it's not the most obscure Transformers reference. <laughs> I'll counterpunch you. Oh no. Uh, no. Yeah, that's just a late era G1 Transformer that was. I can't a remember. A double agent, basically. Yeah, I think oh. officially, formally, it was an Autobot. But oh, I see. What's it up. has. It has. It had two modes. Well, it had three modes. Right. Sort of a triple changer, except most triple changers have two vehicles. This one had two robot modes mm-hmm. huh. like you you turned him around and f- flipped his face backwards yeah. and, and all he was a decepticon, a decepticon. <laughs> cool. um you flip he, a symbol uh yes i'm sure there was a symbol flipper going on there somewhere yeah. i don't think no, so don't i think his chest you'll find out his true allegiance i think you literally just turned it around and moved some parts like i don't think that it, you flipped a bunch of stuff i think you you don't think if so? i recall you just literally t- turned him backwards and changed some stuff oh, and I it see. had a Decepticon symbol on that like, side on that yeah, side yeah. yeah to our uh, to our so you just flip it there is a flip just his body around yep 180 degrees he was a cool he was <clears throat> kind of cool I liked him that's a neat concept there is a third party X-Transbots is doing a masterpiece version of that character I have the whatever the most recent mainline version is it's not that great <laughs> uh, he also loves the aerial bots Just kidding. Fuck those. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe we'll see them in the next episode. (laughs) He has credited the Autopod Decepticast for rekindling his love of the brand and started collecting third party figures. And I need to, I don't think he gave us that much information. I need to dive into the brands he's buying. Uh, so I can hit those brands up for residuals for us. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, then we don't have to beg for all this drink and patron money. Let us dip our beaks. <clears throat> In addition to Saucy Bots, Justin loves n- number one, his baby daughter. I can tell he's working on being the best pops in the world. He's also cooking. He's also into cooking in old school video games, which makes me think, wait a minute, Ryan, <laughs> Is are, this you, me? are you Justin? <laughs> I do black out a lot. <laughs> I don't remember saying that he did that. No, but. I meant I black out and become him. That's what oh, I'm saying. Oh, he, he's like, the like werewolf, a Tyler Durden the werewolf version of you. Okay. All right, Tyler Durden, good. He has offered up thin crust. Uh, he's from Chicago, as you may remember. He's offered up thin crust purveyors, Peace Pizza and Flo and Santos as the best pizza in Chicago. Thin crust. Maybe we'll check. Is what he's going for here. Oh. Chicago listeners, I think he wants all the smoke. So, Bring it on, you deep crust dipshits. <laughs> Whoa. All right, I'm definitely putting that in the summary. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, Justin has issued a cease and desist order pertaining to dissing broke dick magicians. To Be- us? To us. And Did we I, do that? I think so, probably. I'll say I went to the Ozark Empire Fair and West and I saw a magician and um, I just felt bad. <laughs> was he on a stage or was it? Yeah, like it was the... a stage, but it was like you know, out in the, and like you know, they have an assistant. And the assistant does all the work. It was, it was, it was cool. It was meant for kids, like. But oh. we like. <laughs> Were um, you calling out also... of things like at the? Oh, I see what you did. She's not. No, no, in no, half. no, no, no. The tricks were fine. The tricks were fine. <laughs> but it was like, I mean, it was hard. Yeah, because like he's it. he was weird. <laughs> I totally get it. Well, well, that. 
I, I think I've d- completely defeated the purpose. Of- I no, I I am not going to stop dissing broke dick magicians. <laughs> Sorry, you heard it here. If you're a magician, you've got to bring it. You bring your A game. Yeah. <laughs> Caleb's like, I saw it. He's got a. There's a pin in the thing. There's a spring that pops it open. All right, we'll see how everybody feels as I continue this. So, <laughs> he'd like us to stop. <laughs> Justin volunteers at a local children's hospital around his hometown through an organization called Open Heart Magic, which brings laughter, hope, and strength to sick children at their hospital bedsides. They are actually a really cool program. I looked into it. There's a lot of charity programs that aren't equipped to go visit Mm -hmm. a lot of different kinds of sick kids because of different protective isolation measures that they have to take like burden units and uh, oncology and and but open heart magic volunteers are specially trained in isolation protocols and uh, they just they make sure if they're in that environment they bring new clean materials into the rooms and and basically they're able to provide entertainment and oh. comfort to kids who um, are cut off from the rest of the hospital. So that's a volunteer organization he's particularly nice. uh, passionate about and volunteers for. So, yeah, shout out to Justin. How do you guys feel about the things you've said? Uh, bad. <laughs> bad about it, but, like, that's great. That's amazing. Well, c- clearly those people are not broke dick magicians. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, All right, yeah. I, so, I, think that's a, I think he's being a little self-conscious. That's true, yeah. Maybe that's he's projecting wow. a what, little bit. That sounds awesome. <laughs> And uh, yeah, let's put it back on him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. I love it. Uh, so we're going to see Justin in Chicago, cool. uh, which I am looking forward to. Thank you for being a part of the community. And I'll do one quick. Let's see if I can do a good round the round Horn. the clock without accidentally leaving anybody off here. Oh. Uh, we've got a special thanks to Alpha Magnus Creations, who, by the way, has a. He's starting a toy line, and he has opportunities there for that. He's been doing some great Instagram stuff. His A-game, the Alpha Magnus game, Alpha game. Thanks to Alpha Magnus, Debbie Skeeter, Jeff, Mike Seibert, Jeremy Bono, Michael Trimblett, Justin, Jonathan, Robinus Prime, Daniel V, Safubi Samurai, Chandler, Jay Soups, Maddie V, Nick Warren, Big Ken (laughs) Buckleman, and... Follow up with Moondog, Greg Murray, Captain Alexis, Corey, Michael Andrews, James and Julia, Michael Ordway from the Empire of Rust, Tim, Jason, Thomas, and now Justin and John. Thank you all so much. Yes. And because these folks have also been in the queue for a while, a little pre-thanks to uh, Simon, Alex, and Squid King, who are also new patrons, but we'll go into that a little more next time. It's amazing. We like <clears throat> thank you guys so much. Seriously, I never thought like have people give us money. That that yeah, but like I'll, like you say Aaron, like the 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 social like connection there and then also like yeah, it's just so so many people seem to like us. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, wow. I feel like it's at a point that we probably need to take seriously what the like a better social platform. Like a lot of I, people are commenting on I episodes. I saw that too. And I know we have the Facebook presence, but we're like kind of broke it. Like Mike Seibert contributes more to, to our, our APDC <laughs> a notorious group text on Facebook than than we do. <laughs> I, I did. I, I saw a comment on there today where I'm like, do we need to start a Discord? Like <laughs> it's possible. I don't. I haven't even looked into it. I don't know if it's cheap or free or what. I think I'm buzzed. Yeah, it's a. There's a lot of booze in that drink. <laughs> cool. Good thing you're not driving. I'm yeah. feeling it. Last episode recap. 
We need an intern. Oh, that would be awesome. Make them do everything. Or, yeah, yeah, or some kind of like, uh, what, it's not a monitor. What is it? Uh, a bot? No. <laughs> like someone who controls your social media stuff. An admin? That's it, an admin. <laughs> yeah, I'm down. I'm Are down. they free? <laughs> if we don't pay them. Perfect. <laughs> Last time we had a bit of a visit from the ghostest with the mostest, and I'm not talking about iconic <laughs> moment, because that would be the whitest with the slightest, a.k.a. <laughs> a- 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 our wraith that smokes an eighth. Actually, I'm talking about Starscream, who possessed Cyclonus and worked with Octane to try and downgrade Galvatron. That failed, but perhaps another Decepticon may yet carry Screamer's spirit. So with that... Today we're going to be talking about Dark Awakening, mm-hmm. written by Antoni Zalewski, and it's an ACOM. It yeah. is. It's not the most egregious ACOM. You guys get deja vu at all? Like I, feel like <laughs> I, I uh, Yeah, I did I have like some stuff like, before. oh, so listeners, you may remember read this uh, for our episode 100, a little peek behind the curtain. I think um, instead of going in order of reviewing the G1 series, uh, Aaron wanted to originally to just jump around and, and pick whatever episodes, like mostly because he was champing at the bit to get to season three and this was before we'd even decided what to do after the movie and the joke the joke episodes yeah um so we've been going in order ever since which is why we did a re-review with uh transformers the movie with our friends from mtmtp um because they'd never seen it we wanted to do a new angle so you can forget about anything uh creative like that here i purposely didn't listen back to episode 100 because i didn't want to be tainted i yeah. just kind of wanted to come with a fresh eye caleb you said you were going to listen to it did you do that no i didn't but i think... I did like the idea of you quoting yourself <laughs> yeah i just didn't get to it i think it would be we just find caleb's track and play it i also yeah. like how i'm preloading disappointment of like don't, don't expect anything different <laughs> well i do like the idea of after we record this, to go back and listen to both and see if if some of the same jokes are told, but unknowingly, you know what I mean. I'm sure. I'm sure because we're that. just lame asses. So, well, no, just we're just ourselves, and we're, you know, there's we're creatures of habit, whether we know it or not. You know, creatively speaking. Yeah, I, our format was probably a little different back then. I'd have to imagine we kind of settled into a different groove since we maybe. started doing these episodes. episodes. But I can't remember because episode. We had it was probably eighty six or eighty seven that we quit the movie. Uh-huh. And we did Joe, right? Joe episodes. And and we, we did, did Joe episodes. episodes. And then we did the, a special we in were, the middle of that. We were still doing G My Joe. It was in the middle of yeah, G My Joe. It was. That we hit a hundred? Yeah. Yeah. And we, we uh, and also shout out to Mike Seibert, who episode one hundred, he really hooked us up. Like he actually went out and got like some people people yeah. like to, to the some fan uh, listeners and fans of ours that um uh, and friends that uh, you know shouted us out, and like he got some you know quotes wild. from them. It was great. It was, really, it was really, really touching. It was, and I believe our episode two hundred, as of now, is scheduled for release sometime in March of twenty three. Wow, it's not too um, far away. No, so we should do something special. I don't know what it is. I haven't. We haven't even planned out the normal chaos of our holiday special. So I'm I'm saying, do you listeners have any ideas for two hundred? Send them our way. Email us, Twitter. Patreon, all that. I don't know. What do you want us? What do you want us to do for two hundred? I think, I think the episode two hundred is far and away, uh, or that no, that's a Tom Cruise movie. Yeah, Nicole Kidman <laughs> staking your claim. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just a regular, you know, season three episode. But like, yeah, what, what would you guys like for us to do? Let us know. 
You decide. <laughs> you do it. <laughs> Back to the community thing. I've heard a number of requests also for there's people like Bobby Skullface they do who do groups like video group mm-hmm. calls like a big Zoom call or whatever with with the patrons thing, like, which I'm totally open to. It's scheduling is hard. I'd be curious what his international versus yeah, domestic listening are. Yeah, because we have a lot of UK are. listeners I, I and, a, Australia, and Australia, which I, like that makes it tough to, I have a solution to negotiate. That. Yeah, I listen to the best show, uh, oh. the podcast, the best show, and they rec- never heard of it. <laughs> they recently did a a twenty four hour best show. They were on live. Holy shit! Four hours, and um, he, you know, it was a big challenge. But they yeah, it sounds. I'm sure so, you're going to get some real good energy at at hour twenty. <laughs> yeah, and they went from six. Like if I was them, I would go from like you know nine to nine, like or you know from yeah. morning to morning. They went from six in the evening to six the next evening, and I think that's that, that weird. Would wipe you. I think that would just. I think by like then that, you're that, fucked that, for like three days. <laughs> <laughs> like what is what day is it? So, and he was he was uh, he he had to yeah he was kind of loopy at the end, but that w- that would be a chance to to allow our international callers to come in and probably harass us in our delirium. <laughs> There's there, that was an interesting uh, concept. I'm imagining doing that because we use Google Meet and we're too cheap to oh my to pay God, for it, so and we have many, to schedule 24 imagine, different calls. Imagine editing that. Oh my God! Holy Toledo! All right, well, let's get into it. Mm-hmm. We open on space. Some might call it deep space. I don't actually know. Uh, since I, whoa, that's a lot of planets. They're, technically, those are asteroids. <laughs> oh, they're so perfectly round. Well, They've astro- been shaped by I did, time. I did look this up because I was like pre-mad because they talk about going to the asteroid field, but asteroids can be spherical depending because once you get to a certain size, you have no choice but to be spherical. Right. Um, but generally, and also there's no like specific terms for asteroid. What is an asteroid? What's a, you know, they're also planetoids, but generally it's 500 mile diameter or less um so these are i was like oh i don't get to be pedantic their asteroids can be spheres. it could be <laughs> i am i you know we have the asteroid field between mars uh, and jupiter mars and jupiter could you have a shot like this in in reality with so. this many large objects no. visible in space is space. so big no yeah it's the they con- would have collided yeah the concept when people, it's, I mean, this is hard to represent it in an image. But yeah, the, the, it, uh, the concept of like, if you were to put like, if you were to like put the solar system, even like the inner in the inner belt, like on like a piece of paper, and draw the planets, they would it would, it would get shrunk. Those sizes would get shrunk down to a micro beyond microscopic thing. level. Yeah. So here we are, an Autobot shuttle carrying Rodimus Magnus RC Cup, Daniel, and Spike, the core. G1 click by my standards. Uh, they're being pursued by a ship that looks like the Revenge, but yeah. we know it can't be because that was destroyed by Unicron, right? Maybe a bit of a continuity error. The Autobots need cover, and they're going to head for the asteroids. On board the Revenge, we see communication between the Quintessons and Galvatron. The five faced fucks led the Decepticons mm-hmm. to the Autobots. Blows up mm-hmm. a screen. He does. Blows it's, up his own screen. It's a partnership what so fruitful that Galvatron <laughs> fires his cannon into the monitor. Yeah. We can all agree Galvatron's a little unstable, which is the, the note I had. I guess Galvatron has been all like bygones be bygones with the Quintessons, who, and decided to work with him. Even though they tried to genocide you all in five faces. <laughs> yeah. 
The Decepticons continue to fire a flood of plasma and finally torpedoes at the Autobot shuttle. The Autobots can't outrun these torpedoes. There's an engine down. That leaves us with one option. The option the Autobots always go with. It's a little bit different. They didn't separate the ship. They took escape pods. But why didn't they separate the ship? They have a little more breathing room, especially for the humans who need to breathe. Yeah. Uh, oh, I did have this note also. Galvatron uh, to the Quintesson says, Oh, yes, you are loyal allies, so long as it suits your purposes. And that's where he blows up the screen. But I'm like, that's literally a definition of military allies. <laughs> like, It suits both our purposes. That's right. the point. I, yeah. I have a theory about uh, this. Any allies, frankly. Yeah. I have a theory about this whole episode, like uh, past that point. I think that in reality, the ship did get blown up and they all died. Is this a Jacob's Ladder situation? This is for a Daniel. This is a Jacob's Ladder situation. The whole, the whole rest of the ap- episode is a is a Daniel Jacob's Ladder. He is the person that discovers Optimus Prime. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is, that, that, and when I think of it that way, it all makes sense to me. Ooh, I love. I'm very into. So this. pay attention. We haven't talked about Jacob's Ladder situations in nigh hundred episodes. That's, that's, that's what this is. This is Daniel's Jacob's Ladder situation. I'm glad we're bringing it back. He mm-hmm. died. The torpedoes slam into the back of the Autobot shuttle with a magnificent large explosion that shreds the vessel like a three-cheese Sargento-Mexican blend. But were Gal- you hungry when we were eating this? Were you eating Sargento? But Is Sargento Gal- our new sponsor? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this episode is brought to you by Sargento, the finest cheesemakers out of I, uh, probably Wisconsin. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We, we're doing a great Sorry, job. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your spiel. You were Galvatron <laughs> must examine the wreckage to be satisfied. Luckily, the Autobots squeezed out just in time in an escape pod. Mm-hmm. They don't have any communication, I mean, or so which is think. problematic, but not as problematic as the lack of oxygen for the humans. <laughs> yeah. But wait, there's some kind of giant space carrier thing up ahead. Maybe we can what, land there. And what does Hot out. Rod? What does Hot Rod say here in response to them running out of oxygen? He, he, First just, of all, I will be pedantic here. This is Rodimus Prime you're speaking. Oh, yeah. Of. Well, but I, I will say I in this theory. episode, I switch back and forth between saying Hot Rod and Rodimus after he spoiler gives the Matrix away. But yeah, this is Rodimus. He says, uh, Spike says, what are Daniel and I going to do? You know, because Ultra Magnus is like, could, we could be stuck for months. What do we do when the air runs out? Rodimus says, well, basically you have two choices, suffocate or smother. Yeah. So I guess Typical turning, Rodimus, turning uh, into Rodimus has really soured the whole Hot Rod relationship he had with Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I'm per- I, Hot Rod slash Rodimus is just pretty much a buffoon of a character this episode i completely disagree but we'll get to it interesting i, I want to know why well, all right uh, why caleb thinks so i have a whole thing well he I, literally does give up the matrix and he's like all right it's party time i know and he I can't know, get rid of it fast enough and <laughs> I, I mean i will tell nope, you I'm, listeners i don't know how many of you tune out after our reviews done and don't listen to iconic moment maybe you want to on this one i have a whole thing about Hot Rod Rodimus. About I like this. the idea of a listener who listens to all of our upfront stuff, tunes out during the episode, <laughs> <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then comes back and wants to wants to hear the other juice. I, I do think though that that basically this is not really Rodimus slash Hot Rod behaving. This is Daniel Jacob's ladder <laughs> situation interpreting and basically 
interpreting you know his perception of being abandoned these are the last five seconds of daniel's life extrapolated over the course of 30 minutes yep I, I will say also the Autobots are constantly stuck in space. This seems to be a season three <laughs> theme. In five bases, their ship blew up and they crashed on Goo. Blue and Wheelie had their ship blow up and they crashed on Io. In the killing jar, they were kidnapped and trapped in a black hole. In Starscream's ghost, Octane, working for the Autobots, has his ship blown up and happens to be rescued. Like six of the eight season three episodes we've watched so far include this component. <laughs> That's just the new trope. And I'm thinking ahead to the next episode. No. 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 I break. looked ahead too and break. I'm like, nope. <laughs> the Autobots, they found this mysterious space object. It's the size of Manhattan. And it, it's actually a tomb mm-hmm. built to honor the Autobots lost in the Great War. Autobots like Optimus Prime. Remember that guy? <laughs> Rodimus hoped he'd never see it again. So they're going to land there. They're going to hope that, that there's some tech there that, that, that will allow them to, to get some help. It's really well made. It's actually very impressive. It's like the most impressive thing I've ever seen the Autobots build. <laughs> so impressive that it's weird that they just didn't know what it was like about right it. away. Like they don't have some tracking. Well, goes back so to my Jacob's Ladder thing. It's I, all. It fucking... seems like a place you'd want to visit as an auto, like on a on vacation. Otherwise, yeah. why build it? I think I have this note later, but like I thought about that a lot, and I'm like. What a waste. Maybe no, that was the. A waste of I was like maybe it was like. Um, like a burial at sea situation uh, where, like, they just put, like, you know, they built it and they kind of set it adrift and, like, there was no ex- expectation to see it again. It was kind of just an honorarium, sort of like in <laughs> Star Trek. So coming across it in, in itself is sort of a moment or an event. Yeah. yeah or, or, like, yeah, or, like, when in, in Star Trek too, Wrath of Khan, where, spoiler, Spock dies and they shoot him out of the ship in that big sunglass case. Yeah. Don't uh, come at me. I know that's a torpedo. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about bunch of shit about him. this episode, but as a kid, this was like a remarkable episode for me when I was yeah. a This kid. episode I, is super dark and yeah. super weird. I loved this episode as a kid, so I'm picking it apart as an adult. I mm-hmm. get that. We skipped past it, but at, um, I think it is 246, not only is Dirge still alive, but he has a clone. <laughs> He's flying alongside the also destroyed Revenge. Anyway. Very important reason to disrupt my cadence. Uh, you're right. It wasn't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, yeah, the Autobots, they're here. They're, it's big. They're floating through it. They land in front of the Veil of Remembrance, which is a hazy, smoky drift that seems to hang from, I don't know, 300-foot ceilings mm-hmm. uh, to the floor. The this team, episode's a bummer. The team exits <laughs> the escape I pod. I liked it as a kid. Uh, they're going to do some crypt walking. <laughs> Yeah. Daniel separates from the group to walk by the resting places of so many of his father's friends. Ironhide, Ratchet, Prowl, Huffer. Thank God he's dead. Uh, but there's a <laughs> form that lurking too. behind him. Confirmation that Huffer's dead. Nobody was sad. Nobody came to his funeral except his mother who left early. <laughs> um, two things. like I've shit on Autobot-like construction in the past. Mm-hmm. Again, I think this mausoleum is great. I love how the door is the Autobot symbol that like splits apart. That is cool. I love the glowing orbs. The veil of, remember- of remembrance is kind of odd, uh, but I, I'm here for it. And also, the, the skate pod, what I really like about it is they've got two captain's chairs in the front. What do they put in the back? 
A sofa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm here for that, too. They put a sofa in their skate pod. They've I got a hookah back there. They've, they've kind of... <laughs> For the time being, they've redeemed themselves. And it can fold down. Yeah. And then there's a uh, there's a jump seat in the back where it's you like can look out fuck? the back like a station wagon. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> that's where I thought you were oh, going. Oh, God. It looks okay. a lot like Bumblebee's Cybertronian mode. It does, actually. You're, now that you mention it, I did not think that's of that. That's pretty cool. Um, since I didn't get to be pedantic about the asteroids, I will just say this tomb is full of oxygen, I guess. So... <laughs> It doesn't have to be. It's a Jacob's Ladder scenario. <laughs> that's, that's, I Caleb's think we might have making a, more sense by the moment. Back to the, you know, the artistic side of the construction of this. The J, like the the Veil of Remembrance. Mm-hmm. I, I guess you had to hire an Autobot artist to create. The, it's like an installation, right? Is it? What is it? What is the veil? It, it, I think. I think it's supposed to be animated, right? But it's not. It's just static oh cloud it is weird that they decide not to animate it i think they had some they could have done something really interesting i like the painted i do too the painted effect it's fine but it's an i'm in, it's interesting how the artists portrayed it and i'm curious what the writers were imagining when they wrote it yeah early warning like there's no season three script for this online so i don't know <laughs> I think it's a very interesting artistic choice, a mm-hmm. veil of remembrance. I, I like it. I like it, too. And, and is only Prime behind the veil? Great question. Yeah, that's a good question. I, it seems possible. Let's, I guess we'll keep it rolling. We'll see. Daniel, for whatever reason, in this creepy place, goes off on his own. It's creepy as hell. And it, are those really supposed is. to be the sparks That's held sort of like the the Decepticon? There are these little like lights above those the like, tombs. Almost like all sparks. Yeah. Which huh. I get. It's like a candle. It's like this is their spirit. Like the uh, ever uh, last, not everlasting. It's not the everlasting flame. Yeah. <laughs> he turns it off by mistake. Yeah, he fiddles with some some uh, now some tech here. I got a problem here. All right. So. They show Prime walking up, but then in this shot, he's got cobwebs on him, like he's been sitting there a while. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Also, Maybe those cobwebs of... are just on the wall. Well, I just think it was a misunderstanding from the, what the I animators think you're were right. doing. They were like, oh, he's just been standing there a while, and it's his fucking dead body, and he's like propped up there. But I, I like the illustration, but, but the thing is, he's clearly been moving around because he right. has a tomb that's empty. Well, right. he just showed his legs move. Right. right. Well, yes. Yeah. And also, First of all, because we saw that, but <laughs> even if they we didn't see that, yeah. he As had a tomb. As we come to know, it's, he it's was creepy. already in it. And also, there's spiders up here. <laughs> <laughs> Space spiders. <laughs> Good point yes <laughs> daniel jacob's ladder <laughs> scenario no it's it's creepy it's probably one of the creepier scenes like this is how we're reintroduced to prime yeah if i can take a part out of like <clears throat> rodimus's page uh gross gross ew <laughs> gross yeah rodimus He's just a schmuck this whole time. I, and I have, there's a quote. I can't wait to see the fight. There's, a qu- there, and I, there's one particular thing he does okay. that, that we'll point out. And I'm really, uh, honestly, I'm, I'm, not, I'm really curious to hear your side of this. Okay. I'm trying to be more open-minded after you hurt my feelings. Or, like, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Hey, I'm glad we're back in the groove. Yes. I'm trying. I'm enjoying our time together. <laughs> I'm, uh, kinda, I'm, kind of enjo- I'm kind of in this dark place right now. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's it is kind, manifesting creatively. It's kind of helping well. my humor, so maybe I should have Ryan like put me down like every episode now. Hey, Caleb, 
You're fucking late to my <laughs> fucking flea market house. <laughs> Good job. Good okay. Job. <laughs> you missed the sale. Yeah. No, I, obviously, I didn't. Everything's still here. <laughs> look at all this. Look at your garbage. Oh, I'm sorry. Place. Let's get going. God. Uh, I don't like this. I don't. I, I do, and I don't like where I am right now. <laughs> yeah, as we alluded to, Daniel fiddled with some controls for some reason, which shut the power off for a second, but ultimately comes back on and reveals a very deteriorated Optimus Prime mm-hmm. just standing there. And I think I feel like there's a shrieking sound effect. Not yet. That's when it, we'll see it in just a second. Oh, whoa. I'll call it out because I. It was fucking. It really is scary. Like yeah. Oh. Go ahead. Yeah, even this moment is scary. Yeah, to this see whole Prime in this thing condition. is scary. Like, they do a great job uh, of just setting the visual mood. Which is uh, fucking creepy. Congratulations, mm-hmm. Acom. You did something good. He runs. He's freaked out. He runs through this house of horrors and, and accidentally n- bumps into a different computerized this coffin. This is it. This is where the shriek is. Uh, and then some un- un- unknown Autobot corpse falls out of it. Is that where yep. the Jacob's Ladder scenario begins? Does it fall on him? I'm sorry, I'm beating that dead. No. But it is awfully dangerous that it, it just falls towards him. Cause, yeah. And they leave him to wander around by himself. Well, they don't leave well, him. Well, he leaves he just, them. He just did it like okay. a kid does. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Daniel screams, runs, finds his way back to the group. I saw Optimus Prime. Mm-hmm. See dead people. Poor Daniel has a hard time making a case that Optimus is up and about, but Rodimus has a solution. Let's go through that veil and open up the fucking grave, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't so, know why everybody's so resistant to, yeah. his, to Let's it. Let's not do it. Like, Daniel, does he have a history of just telling these tales? No, no, no. I meant to, like, we'll see, like, everybody is, like, doesn't want Rodimus to go check the tomb. I could understand that it feels violation, disrespectful. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's kind of... Desecration. Desecration, thank you. Through the veil, we find this uh, metallic coffin with Optimus Prime's visage etched into it. It's nice. They, it is. they slide nice. the coffin open. This is what I want you guys to do to me whenever I die. Slide slide your coffin open to see if you're still there. <laughs> oh, I meant entomb what me if in you're a mausoleum. Not? <laughs> yeah. And send you into space. <laughs> what if I just pop out? If you want a mausoleum, start saving now. Yeah, I don't. That's yeah. uh, that's I'm terrible. My we, could, cremated. We, could, we could probably sell all this stuff for uh, start the mausoleum for upwards fund. of tens well, of dollars. Well, we all know what Ryan's mausoleum will be. The van. It's the just vanaroo. <laughs> I was thinking just a paper mache house. <laughs> so I melt in the rain. Uh. So they, they slide that coffin open, and, and there's nothing inside that thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but there's no time to dwell on this. The Decepticons are here. <laughs> the Autobots run to the other side of the veil to see their ship destroyed. We've got Galvatron, Sweeps, Cyclonus, firing shitloads of lasers at our team. RC takes a hit to the ankle. Mm-hmm. The team is pushed back through the tomb to the other side of the veil of remembrance. The Decepticons follow them and deliver... A monster blast that knocks all the Autobots to their feet. His gun materializes. Yeah, it, it comes out of like hammer cool. space. It is kind of neat. Poor, oh, that's a she gets hit in the knee and it hurts. <laughs> well, she's jumping in front of the the shot towards Spike and Daniel. I feel like good for her. Someone cares. <laughs> Daniel becomes her head later. I did. I did not know that. Yep, not in this episode. No, wait for it. <laughs> Talk to you in a year. Yeah. <laughs> Or I guess March ish. I know that's no, two hundred. Yeah, it'll, it'll be about. Yeah, if yeah. we can take enough hiatuses, we can really stretch this <laughs> out. 
Galvatron does have a pretty good line here that I like. How convenient, Rodimus. We can lay your wreckage beside that of your mentor. (laughs) (laughs) And as we heard, uh, Galvatron takes a shot from the back. Not a back shot. (laughs) 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 For, For clarity. Before he delivers the death blow, the mentor shows up, Optimus Prime, looking worse for the wear, but he turns the tide mm-hmm. once again. He uh, commands the Decepticons, leave this place or die. I will say I w- was moved when I heard him talk for the first time, especially this line. I thought it was great. Yeah. He ion blasts the Decepticons into submission. And this is, a, sorry, it's another point where the Decepticons are retreating and Cyclonus drags Galvatron away. I thought that was a a great characterization. Um, we, we skipped forward for uh, Starstream's ghost, but here he drags Galvatron away and he calls uh, cowards and commands them to fight on. And it's just another thing where, like as Unicron said in the movie, Cyclonus is a warrior. Right. Yeah, I like that they're sticking true to the tech spec. Yeah, and that he. You know, he knows that Galvatron's all fucked up, but he also plays his position with integrity. Scourging the sweeps are pieces of shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Prime just is blasting all the Decepticons. The Autobots then pursue the Decepticons to the other side of the veil and drive them off, all thanks to Zombie Optimus Prime. And that's mm-hmm. where we go to commercial. Thanks to him. You know, I think that there was a missed opportunity here for a Scooby-Doo crossover. Go on. <laughs> well, like, I don't know. It's like ghosts and st- like, you know, Optimus Prime is bad. It turns out to be the caretaker the whole yeah, time. Yeah, like going to yeah. unmask him. Yeah, for Old sure. man McGillicuddy. Like sneaking around the <laughs> Autobot mausoleum the whole time. Like, <laughs> Zoinks. For that to happen, we would have had uh-huh. to have been introduced to that character a little bit earlier on. It's true. It all falls apart. I take care of all this place. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting that. They could have incorporated, like, in ser- seriously, it would have been interesting if they would have incorporated, like, some sort of caretaker bots that would, like, be there yeah. with their programming to, like, hmm. dust yeah. off the to, graves. To take and care of it and, like, put flowers well, on them. You know, mm-hmm. Sure, something like that, you know, to maintain it. I'm just trying to, it's such a huge expense for, for the Autobots to have this thing, like, floating around. Except I, they don't take care of it. They don't. They just, there's cobwebs, man. Yeah. Get a housekeeper. It's fat. I like. It's fast. It's a fascinating concept. I really like it. Yeah. We come back from commercial as Prime emerges from the veil. Rodimus immediately goes into beta cucks subservient <laughs> mode. Oh jeez. Here, take the matrix. Here, take it. Take it, please. <laughs> what well, What are your commands, sir? <laughs> I don't like. I feel attacked, but that's because I like. Those Rodimus. are his words. Yeah, no, he says, "What are your?" He just. You ins- said it in a voice, though. <laughs> Listen to him. He's ready. He's now, so I will ready. say, Optimus says, is it safe? And Rodimus says, the Matrix, yes, I'd be keeping it warm for you, which is Wait, fucking that, creepy. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that's yeah, pornish it's, it's, for sure. Yeah. It's cuxy, all right. He offers to give it right back to Optimus. But his get his, his comrades enough. question the decision. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, hasn't this guy been fucking dead? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They are. It is true. They are concerned, yeah, and like, Rada, uh, Rodimus is very much like. Um, no, but it's, it's but it's, it's cool. Optimus. It's fine. Everything's fine. Check it out. And 
again, I will have all yeah, my arguments gonna, later. Okay. But uh, yeah, it is reasonable that uh, Ultra Magnus and Cup are like, ah, maybe we take a pause and see if he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's been. I was dead at the time. <laughs> Optimus Prime has a plan of some sort. He's been building an escape ship. <laughs> all crazy, all crazy style. <laughs> like, and, and that's just enough exhibition of competence for Rodimus to basically shove the matrix, the matrix right into Optimus <laughs> Prime's <laughs> chest. Yeah. It's like all Robinson Crusoe over here. <laughs> like, putting, building the ship. I guess, uh, or yeah, take how, we can Robinson Crusoe it. We can, can also do Castaway. Uh, castaway. Yes. <laughs> I wish Prime did have some sort of Wilson equivalent on this. Oh thing. my God. <laughs> what would it be like? It'd be terrifying. Like yeah. just a head of a dead Autobody yes. talks to like it's, it's, uh, it's, it's Ironhide. Uh, I was hoping it would be. Um, um, uh, who's the medic? Who's the medic? Ratchet? Ratchet? No, 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 no. Uh, Red Alert? No, no, the the scientist the, uh, Wheeljack? Wheeljack. Yeah, it'd be it'd have to be Wheeljack. It'd be like a wheel. He's talk, talking to Wheeljack. It's dead head. <laughs> he wears. He re- carries it around. He, he keeps it in his on a chain on his. Belt. No, I was yes, thinking he works like, it like a puppet. Yes, it is. Wheeljack's head is kind of matrix shaped, so maybe he wears it around his neck. Holy but Jesus! The chest we- comes out. He's got Will. He talks to it. And he's like, "Yeah, it's a, it's a good idea." <laughs> hey, Prime. I hey, think Prime. I, I think he you should make the, make an escape pod. Do you what think do you we think? should I'd, kill the other the I'd Autobots that came to, here? I think I'd, that you should. I'd love to hear Peter Cullen. I'd love to hear Peter Cullen as de, as Zombie Optimus doing Wheeljack. That Wheeljack. Would be a, what well, do you have to say if about you, this? If you pay Sorry. enough. I think it's a for good idea. At TFCon, maybe you can get him Build to do that sh- for us. You're doing great. <laughs> You're doing great, Prime. Now shoot at them Autobots over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is going good. This is a good episode. <laughs> Prime has a sort of an aversion to the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Uh, he almost like a vampire it. to the Holy Bible. No, he even says no, don't. Yeah, and Rodimus yeah. is still like, no, do. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, yes. <laughs> but they managed to get it in him. <laughs> <laughs> this is Matrix Assault. And this is where Hot Rod is back. And mm-hmm. Let's I, party. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think he does turn sort of magenta at this point, right? Uh, he goes it goes from, back and he forth. He goes from Even a deeper, was, yeah, the animation. And now, and now his real, the real Rodimus comes out, like is, is, which is Hot Rod. Rod yeah. Hot Rod is Rodimus's id. That is what we have. All they care about That's is partying, partying, partying down and giving up responsibility. Can't get rid of it fast enough. Yeah. So this all is uh, takes place just for the rest of the Autobots to be immediately attacked by Optimus Prime. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you can tell he's Who seems not, confused by yeah, what he Yeah, he's just not did. completely in control of his faculties, and he knows it. He says, forgive me. Uh, Rodimus takes a blast to the chest, and everyone else is grounded as well. Prime is kind of, what have I done? Uh, and he takes off in his completed ship after uh, after setting the giant tomb on course <laughs> for a nearby star. Yep. So very, it's another? sad. It's I mean, it's it's emotionally it jarring. It's rough. It's on it's on brand though for the Autobots to wreck another ship. What? <laughs> In space. In space. In season they three. Oh, there's Daniel ship. trapped under Jacob's so is, ladder. So is Spike. He has a he has a lot of like, opportunities to be dead, but I still <laughs> say the original blow up, uh, his first death, is probably the one that sets the Jacob's ladder scenario up. Um, 
we go back to Cybertron at this point. The Autobots. Also, I would just point out the tomb is open to space. <laughs> like, and Daniel's fine, and Spike yeah. is fine. I was in, I was breathe. interpreted as like the as like uh, the uh, oh, like the, the shuttle bay. Yeah, shuttle bay kind of scenario. Where they have uh, yeah a shield yeah I always be af- I, I if I worked in the shuttle bay I I would always be scared that that thing would fail. Well, in Star Trek TNG, technically those aren't windows; they're force fields. Like in every right, wind- and I'm like, what happens if like there's an accident? And, yeah, like, all the power because, goes out. Yeah, because listen, like, it I wouldn't know- cost that much in the ski. You're building a starship. In the scheme of things, a little glass isn't going <laughs> to run the budget up that much higher. Well, or it's true, and if you don't enter an atmosphere, you don't need that much glass because there, there's no pressure. I would do this. I would have doors that open and close, and when there's no—you would make sure that you would not be in the shuttle bay when the doors are open and the force field is on. The force field will be on to prevent all of the cargo from getting sucked out into space. But as a, as a general rule, nobody in the cargo bay when it's just the force field— I'm going to play the role of Ryan and say that technically all the stuff would get blown out into space. Blown. A little sucked. It's, va- it's a vacuum. Yeah, it's a vacuum, but... The, it goes from a, it so goes way from the high pre- concentration to low The, con- the way oh, the God. pressure goes, it's a blowing, not a sucking. It's a sucking. Oh. It's a blowing. It, is it a you sucking? You could make an argument either way. Either way, I'm having a, a good time. You're going, <laughs> you're going from high pressure to no pressure. It's a blowing. Okay. Is it a blowing right. or is it a sucking? This Listeners, is this is a hill we need help. To die is on. it blowing or sucking? I just had that one piece of information. I, I wanted to put it out there so that go, I look. I'm going to go ahead and once. create a survey right now. On Twitter. <laughs> You're just like, is it blowing or sucking? No yes. context. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, we're on Cybertron. We are. Optimus Prime has rejoined a crew consisting of Grimlock, Perceptor, <clears throat> Springer, and one of those. Fuckface aerial bots. I don't know which one. Optim- yeah, I don't care. Optimus Prime is telling a tale. Uh, the Quintessons managed to murder all those motherfuckers back on the crypt, and we must mobilize to move against the Quintessons. This, okay, we're looking right now at Grimlock having a temper tantrum because he hates the Quintessons. Understandable. He has a lot of history with the Quintessons. And his, and these people are died. It's at, true. You know, in his mind. But this temper tantrum goes on so long. It is awkward. The Quintessons left no survivors. Quintessons! Me, Grimlock, dump Quintessons flat into ground! 17 seconds. <laughs> We'll mobilize all our forces. <laughs> and I did some math. It's a full 2% of this episode. <laughs> this episode is 22 minutes long. If this episode were the length of a full day on Earth, we would be watching Grimlock freak out for 30 minutes. <laughs> I'm glad I did that math. <laughs> no, I, I like that uh, that's that's the point where they decided to put padding in. Yeah, it's the weird. Gr- the Grimlock It's weird. Also, um... When talking about getting revenge against the Quintessons, we get a little bit more uh, Springer RC. We do. Because he's like, I'm going to get them. I mean it, RC. Yeah. Springer says, those five-faced tentacle slime are going to pay for this butt good. And then to self, I mean it, RC. 
So. I wonder if from an HR perspective, so we know that Hot Rod and RC, or we feel as though Hot Rod and RC, there's been well, a we know it romantic it was... tension between each of, each of them betwixt RC. And maybe when Rodimus got that promotion, he stepped back I because think he knew, like, you know, you can't be a boss fucking with, the, I, fucking with your employees. I feel like that's the case. I honestly do. It's <laughs> because canon. it's in the script that like there are feel like the, in the movie there are feelings between RC and, and Hot Rod and I really do feel like when he became Rodimus he was just like I can't I can't he's got to focus on leadership yeah. and also ethically. Yeah. Bad idea. I mean, it, I I don't, if you're Rodimus Prime, you're leader of all the Autobots, so that actually limits your dating you over. <laughs> well, they kind of also serious. not to bring it down to Star Trek again, but they talk about this in Star Trek, where like, can you date uh, someone who's a lower rank than you? And they can. It's just you have to do it carefully, like not but, hide. But it. everybody is in his chain of command. Well, no, yeah, I'm just saying. No, I see what you're saying. I, it, yeah, yeah. He could do it if they were of another species that isn't. Uh, Autobot, uh, you know, isn't under the banner of the Autobots. I think it was just a Rodimus decision. Basically, he can date an Earth person. Like a, that would just become a fleshlight. Well, I mean, I don't know if, you know, sex, they, they I, have a, a asexual relationship. I think it was, I think, it, I'm asexual, reading, that's not the right we're word. reading so much into this, but I oh, think yeah, it was totally. just a Rodimus decision of not to, not to pursue it, like, because he's got so much on his plate. He's like, I, <laughs> to Ultra Magnus, that I can't deal with that right now. And so just kind of stepped away. And it's not like, so I don't think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a rule. He was just like, it, for personal decisions. We are writing the Autobot policy we are. guide <laughs> right here and spending way too much time on it. Here's the deal, guys. This was all part of the Quintessence plan. Mm -hmm. I, we don't know this yet. Well, well in now we second do. we do. It will, it will be revealed to us that the Autobot fleet is gather and it's ga they're gathering to move against the Quintessons, yeah. but the Quintessons aren't worried about that. They're snickering in triumph. They do say, "Can you just capture it?" Because I love it when they Quintessons like, speak is always have entertaining. A, a chuckle. <laughs> the entire Autobot fleet moves to attack us. Precisely as we predicted. May I propose an anticipatory snicker of triumph? <laughs> I don't understand. Why are they snickering? They're about to get attacked, guys. <laughs> I will say, like, waiting until halfway through the episode to reveal that all of this was part of the Quintesson plan, pretty great. Yeah, from a... A timing, cadence, storytelling perspective. They did a great job. Yeah, like we know they're around and involved because we see them in the opening scene with Galvatron. We get distracted by Prime being alive and wonder, what the fuck? Um, especially when you start acting weird. And then this reveal is pretty perfect, like from a storytelling perspective. I, I just thought it was really good. However, I, I'm interested to see as we progress through this season how annoyed we're going to be at the trope of the Quintessons did it. Yeah. <laughs> Back at the floating graveyard, the team has improvised themselves a whole you, goddamn shit. You built that shit mad quick, guys. <laughs> like, uh, and that's gonna allow them to escape the necropolis, and mm -hmm. which is what they do, right? As the the crypt falls into the hot red star. Mm -hmm. Say your final goodbyes to Huffer. Yeah. No more zo no zombie Huffer episode coming up, or Ironhide, or Ratchet, or Prowl. I'd rather have zombie versions of all of them for than Huffer. Yeah. My no. main point was fuck Huffer. See <laughs> yeah, you later, bitch. This, this is what I'm getting at. 
The ship that Magnus, Hot Rod, and the crew constructed in five minutes has faulty brakes. So as the crew enters Cybertronian airspace, they lose the ability to slow down and they crash into an Autobot tower, 9-11 style. Woo! Guarding that Follow tower. Follow the money. <laughs> guarding that tower are Sludge and Snarl, who are very confused by that these Autobots are all still alive because they are... You know, they were just per privy to the <laughs> Optimus Prime yarn that was spun earlier. I'll say this, cobbled together ship or not, don't get in a vessel with these guys. Like ever. They, they crash always everywhere. crash. Also, I love they how just on, walk right out. Yeah. I love how in Cybertron we can never tell what's a window and what's a monitor. <laughs> it always catches me by surprise. And I guess they do always they have weather, like acid rain, so I guess you'd have windows, but but, <laughs> but why does that mean you'd have windows? Just because you have acid rain. So you don't want to get it in on your circuits, like on your control panel. Yeah. Uh, I'm still confused. You don't want it raining in your building. Yeah, but, yeah. Why not just have your, like, our, we have windows. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> but, I guess, but, well, you don't need windows at all, technically, I guess, is where I'm going. I, windows don't protect you from acid rain. They are just things that exist that... Acid rain happened to not be able to. Well, let's penetrate. just pretend it's regular rain. Okay. You don't want windows so it doesn't just, rain in your house? I don't think we're connecting. Uh, I, I don't think our points are congruent here, but I, this did make me flash back to Shockwave staring out a window. Yes. yes. At a control panel. Why is that control panel there? So you just have a nice view while yeah. you're star staring out the, while you're working? I don't know. To your point, I don't know why their windows are even exist at all. Well, and to your point, yeah, this should just be a monitor. monitor exactly. <laughs> uh, so the Dinobots are confused, and then they have an existential crisis as to whether they're alive or not. <laughs> yeah. They're having a Jacob's Ladder situation. <laughs> Maybe we died. Yeah, so this is where Magnus and and everybody that was on the in in the tomb, the giant tomb, learn of Optimus Prime's treachery, and they are shocked to learn that Optimus has taken the entire Autobot fleet to attack the Quinnison. So mm -hmm. we fast forward to that Autobot fleet, <clears throat> Quinnison base, Central Planet. No need to send out patrols. Prime wants a full frontal surprise attack. And I I just at this point I did not have the strength to relitigate animation errors of the of the fleet because they're just like aerobots and power glide and and, and, and yeah. I'm just i in jetfire and i'm just i couldn't bear it yeah so just bear it like so just so you know we're just gloss, it's not gonna really gloss power over glide that. we're the word from blur is uh that uh hot rod magnus rc cup spike and daniel are all still alive but prime brushes this off as a quinison grift it's not going to help them from a Quintessonian base. The five faces are rejoicing in their plan coming together. The central planet is a decoy, and the fact that they've artfully reprogrammed Optimus Prime to fool even himself into believing he's alive. Feels like I had more to say after that, but that's that's where the period is in my notes. Yeah. From several satellite terraformed meteors, the quints fire multitudes of rockets towards the Autobot fleet. This won't be a war. It's a massacre. <laughs> so, those... Jets that get blown up are those deceptic? Oh, wait, have you already talked about this? I'm nervous. I've been maybe. Doing, I put that. Po I posted that poll, so now I'm scared that I'm saying um, something you guys have already. No, talked they're about. just animation errors. It's just yeah. it does, they're just random ships. They're just random character design models, and they get blown up that are in the oh, yeah, the like visage of, on one of the 
Yeah, that's an aerial bot. Those I think all three of those are aerial bots. And, and then we see like Jetfire and we see Jetfire uh, and uh, Power Glide. Power Glide. Okay. Gotcha. Also, this this episode has a huge body count. Like those Autobots yeah. who were just blown up, even, even though, though they they're aren't they're, well, they're not Autobots. They're ships. Well, well, yeah. also yeah, we the see thing. the we see the people in the ships get exploded and like, <laughs> wow, it's like the opening of Saving Private Ryan. Also, another Jacob Slatter movie. <laughs> Was did Jacob Slatter? It's did, not that at all. <laughs> did Spielberg do Jacob Slatter? I don't no, think no, I'm so. just saying. Like he's just saying things. Ryan Ryan was already dead. This is just all, all his. No, Ryan was not dead. <laughs> Wait, Tom Hanks is dead. Tom Hanks is dead. <laughs> That's right. Jake, Saving Private Ryan is another Jacob Slatter movie. It's not though. Tom at Hanks all. died on on on, on Omaha. Normandy. Spoiler: on, on Omaha, no, yeah. He didn't die on Normandy. Oh, you're so, oh you're positing. This Tom is, Hanks got no, shot I as he not was accept. walking through yeah. the, the English Channel but the whole, onto the beach. Yeah, the whole thing of saving and, Private Ryan is and, his own. Uh, and then he was he yes. was imagining he if his, if yes. his then Matt mission was successful. Saving he saved in, a Private Ryan, except he didn't have that mission at that point. So as he's dying, he invented that's a right. mission. Exactly. Whoo-wee. Yep, that's how he copes. That's that's how. He copes with I it. feel like Ryan is Ryan does not exist. And he, as he died, he pictured Matt Damon as an old man visiting his grave in yes. France. And then that rap song starts on the credits. <laughs> Saving Private Ryan. Come on, Ryan. Where are you at? Holy <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Well, we gotta we gotta play that. We gotta uh, we've we invented gotta, uh. so many universes. <laughs> There's a lot of strings very, to connect. Very creative episode we have going on. Rockets. Mm-hmm. Killing Autobots. <laughs> All the Autobots are dying. Mm-hmm. Rockets are continuing to murder our heroes. You know, if it's a war, you're going to have some casualties. And I think we went to commercial at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're at a commercial. We're going to come back from commercial. The war is going to be continuing to rage. But just then... The Magnus Hot Rod ship comes into Optimus's airspace. They hail the ship. They say, hey, can we come on board? But something inside Prime's programming refuses him to accept that they're alive. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they get blown up again. <laughs> Optimus Prime fires on Magnus's <laughs> intercept, blowing a hole in it, which which blows Hot Rod's team into the vacuum of space. I guess they did manage to get like the exosuits for Daniel and Spike from Cybertron in anticipation that they were going to need them as opposed to the la- when they That was proactive. The beginning, yeah. Perceptor gets a good look at the team's spacefaring forms and positively identifies them. The the Quintessons see this complication, but they're cool with it. We just need everybody close to the detonator, and this whole situation will be done post-haste. I did like, um, and I know at this point I'm just calling out things being correct and not being upset about things not being correct, but they did put Hot Rod in the correct vehicle form instead of his Rodimus form. Right there, yeah. Way for them to pay attention. Oh, good, Wheelie's here. (laughs) (laughs) Fan favorite. (laughs) Oh, I love this part. Okay. Hot Rod and the team make their way to Optimus' ship. Rodimus commands that they're, uh, or Hot Rod rather, commands that they turn the ship around while he goes to confront Optimus. Despite the blast doors being locked, Rodimus punches right mm-hmm. through them. Prime is on the other side. He's been waiting. Okay, so Hot Rod says, I'm going Optimus hunting, which is a phrase I love. 
And then Springer says the blast doors of the command center are locked. And then Hot Rod just punches right through him. I do feel like it was a missed opportunity for Hot Rod to say, uh, yeah, and I've got the key. I like that line, Ryan. Thank you. Yes, uh, I agree. The key I is also like that line, Ryan. Yes. <laughs> I wish you had written this episode. I think this. I, I'm punched I it like, up, Ron Friedman style. That's the only note I had. That's the only <laughs> like Bruce Valanche note I had. That's a that's a joke for people who are sixty or older and love Hollywood squares. Yes. This shot does really show off Prime's like amazing like physique. Yeah, he's got some good lats. Those cum gutters. Cum gutters? Huh? Mm-hmm. What? Cum gutters are the things on the man where oh. like that it comes down. You know that thing? Oh, that, uh... I've heard him referred to as the dick root. Yeah, <laughs> same thing. <laughs> I've not heard any of this. <laughs> you haven't seen the documentaries I've watched. <laughs> and, and you don't have 8% body fat. Yes. <laughs> it's true. I don't. Prime uh, has been waiting. Hot Rod states he's taking command, which Optimus is okay with. What what have they done to him? We flash back to the Quintessence hovering over Optimus's corpse, reprogramming <laughs> it to do their bidding while leaving some remnant of his mm-hmm. memory and personality. So it's really I just horrible. I had just finished watching the doc the the Dahmer uh, dramatic series when I saw this, and it was troubling to make comparisons. Ooh, topical. Yeah, it's true. I have been watching it as well, and I really like it. I like it. It does not. There's. Well, I, why am I telling it to Ryan? Ryan, you know more about this than anybody. Than probably else. anyone you know. Yes, yes. I do like what's her faces. What's her faces? Performance. His neighbor. Even mm-hmm. though they are, there is a lot of that that didn't actually occur. It's true, but they are. Um, I, get the, I get the message. They're compressing mm-hmm. into one person, but there yeah. were people like they played that nine one one call. Yeah. Like that. That did. That did call out. Something weird is going yes, on in yeah, that place. No, I get the message, and, and it's a really relevant it's message. Just, it's just a case of, again, cops not giving a shit, and uh, it's a black neighborhood, yep. and um, yep. also it's homosexuals, and that's yep. creepy and weird. Yep. Yep. So, lack of lack of, of compassion yep, for, disenfran- for disenfranchised people. There you go. So anyway, uh, back, got, in, so back in prime, the Transformers yeah, thanks, world, Hot Rod wants I appreciate to help that Prime. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. you. I, I did Except like this where fucking late. Rodimus says, I don't want to fight you. And Optimus says, then stop me, please, Rodimus. And that was really like a lot. Like yeah. this episode comes for you. I would say that Welker's performance, this might be his oh, best yeah. performance. Oh, as, yeah. I, I'm sure that this is a fun challenge for him. Uh, to yeah. exhibit Optimus Prime in this way because you never see him like this. Nope. Mm-hmm. I think this is probably one of the most like Actually, dynamic. This is showing Colin. What did I say? Welker. Yeah, I mean Colin. I meant this Cullen. is showing Colin at his at his finest. It's just like it's yeah. pretty. Yeah, he really puts a lot of emotion into it. Yeah. An ordinary machine, a robotic zombie. You're very sick. Let me help. I have to. I don't want to fight you. Then okay. stop playing it. me because there's now. this shot. What do I do? Quote from from Hot Rod that really, really gets on my nerves. Where I'm like, Hot Rod, oh, this you're is your idiot. this is your case. Okay. Yes. All right. All shut right. up, everybody. Please, Rodimus. There he is. 
emotional performance. Ah, no! Right here. No! Oh. <laughs> Fooled you! <laughs> That's dumb. Matrix makes me too strong. Haha, fooled you. Yeah, that's dumb. So in this, in I this agree, fight where Opt Optimus is like struggling with his own mind, Rodimus is trying to help him. When Hot Rod tricks Optimus, Rodim uh, Hot Rod's response he becomes is, Nelson Muntz. Yeah, his response is, ha ha, fooled you. And so... So far, I'm Team Caleb. I saw that, I'm like, Hot Rod is a <laughs> fucking idiot. Mm. Uh, ha ha! He does know at this point you. he has to retake command. I mean, he is of course. he's tr here to take responsibility. And his and, and his and his response in that situation is to take advantage of someone that's having a serious problem. Well, you got to do what you got to do, but you shouldn't put it in there. Why say ha ha fooled <laughs> you? How does that help anything at all? He's still immature. He is. Uh, he's not fit to lead. Hmm. He gives it to Ultra Magnus. the The room is filled from smoke because Optimus has blown up everything around him. That allows Hot Rod that opportunity to sneak up behind him. No matter the the Matrix makes Optimus Prime extra strong. He mm -hmm. grapples from hot with Hot Rod from behind, and I don't understand exactly what's happening here. He's torching he, him through the back. I think he is pulling so pulling him apart. He, yeah, Optimus has Hot Rod in a what is that? A full Nelson? Yeah, he's going to hold, and I yeah. think he's pulling so hard that his breastplate starts to yep. break. Wow. Yep. Or Rodimus, or Hot Rod, rather. Yes. He finds the strength to gain control of himself and the situation. Prime loses a goddamn arm in this yeah, situation. Yeah, he, he gets his bearings, elbows Optimus, tosses him against the wall, which knocks Optimus' forearm off. Prime still gets the jump on Hot Rod as, as he screams in terror uh, at his own actions. He kicks him a, you know, dozens of feet against an opposing wall. Uh, he being prime, kicking Rodimus uh, dozens of feet. Optimus approaches Hot Rod, aims his rifle at him, gains some control over himself, opens his chest, and gives the Matrix back yeah. to Rodimus. Prime. I also, if you can capture this second right before that, where the, his line monsters. Yeah, it's great. It's so around here. It's cult, more, yeah. more Cullen opt awesomeness. Yep. It's so emotional. You should have finished me. Believe me, I tried. Until all Not yet. are one. Monsters, they made me a weapon to destroy the very ones I loved in life. That's it. He shoves That's it. brutal. <laughs> like, yeah. Jesus Christ. He shoves it back into Hot Rod. Yeah, he takes the Matrix out of his chest R and puts it into... Hot Rod, Rod doesn't even accept it. He just... Is, he just. I think he's pretty fucked up at this point, like Hot Rod. Well, yeah. 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 Optimus expresses a lot of sorrow and suffering as he explains what he can recall of the reprogramming mm -hmm. prime staggers to a control room and issues his final command uh yeah. get the fuck out of here right i wish the optimus would have said like i guess this is the best option i have is to put it inside hot rod and then walked away and then take this 
to I, ultra try magnets. To, try to give it. Try to give it. I don't to somebody else. Maybe Grimlock. Maybe Grimlock. I I, Wheelie. Uh, no, nope, nope, I don't. I don't and like then it. His, he would have talked to his uh, ratchet head. Come on, let's get out of here. His wheeljack wheel head. Wheeljack head. Oh, Our God. cannon is all over yeah. the place. Here we go. Ugh. Yeah, it's not it's getting not... any uh, lighter. Uh, the Autobots <sighs> evacuate. I remember this part so well as a kid. I really do. <laughs> the Autobots evacuate so Prime's awful. flagship as as uh, the Decepticon or the Quintessons retreat. I, I'm sorry, they haven't retreated yet. The Quintessons actually focus all their fire on Optimus Prime's flagship, blowing it and Optimus apart bit by bit. They're not like well, it's not really apart. They're just kind of pulling away at the armor of the ship. They're just bombarding it. Yeah. Um, but Optimus Prime maintains course and dives into the asteroid that was the trigger that, uh, of the Quinison trap, which creates a massive explosion, destroying the whole solar system, I guess, by mm-hmm. the way they talk through it. And the Autobots say their goodbyes as they witness this Nova uh, which also doesn't make sense because a Nova would be a sun and this is an asteroid. But Rodimus is inspired once again to be the best leader he can while Victor Caroli lets us know <laughs> that this may not oh, be the really? last time. Like, what? That they we walk hear it back from Optimus. Well, I was ultimately, I mean, this is a, kind of a double kick in the nuts. Like, because uh, we get a fucked up version of Prime, we get to see him die again in a super gross way. But this episode was already in production before the movie came out, and I, it's, again, the creators, I don't think, realized um, the feelings people had for Prime. I oh, really, okay. Yeah, so this, yeah, this, I this think the Victor being... Caroli thing was tagged at the end. Well, I, I have a yeah, little bit more agree. background on this. So it wasn't tagged when this originally aired. Mm-hmm. They added it later in congruence with the return, return of Optimus of, Prime yeah. that was going to be, that was one of the last produced episodes of this particular season. So, so they... well, basically what mm-hmm. we're seeing is the later version that was uh, more connected to that when production it, than the early version that didn't have that. When it was originally it. aired, did they have this end segment? No. Well, they had the ends. Like the end segment was this. Everything was the same except for the Victor Caroli okay. voiceover. When did they add the voiceover? Then that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, so at the end of this season, you'll have the two-parter, the return of Optimus Prime, uh-huh. and they, from a from a broadcast scheduling standpoint, they knew that was coming up, and so they re-edited the end of this episode, added that audio as a was, lead in. Was that. it ever broadcast without the yes, Victor Caroli? Yes, it was. It was originally broadcast ah. without the Victor Caroli piece to gotcha. it, because this is pretty early in season yeah. three. So, so it was done by the time yeah. the movie came out, basically. Correct. And 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 maybe, I don't know if it was so to weird. address any of the issues around the horror that kids might have felt over Optimus Prime dying again and again. But either way, it was put in there to tease the return of Optimus All Prime. Right. Yeah. So for, help me out. So in, in context of air dates, the, the movie comes out in August. Mm-hmm. This premieres in October. First of October. Yeah. So within two months, you've got Optimus back. And dead again. Yeah. And dead again. And then maybe then later on, they rebroadcast with the Victor Caroli. 
that's exactly what. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Okay. I'm just making sure I understand. I'm trying to. And put I it in don't context. know when. Right. It might be on the TF wiki. I don't know. Interesting. When that. Well, I guess we would know. Like we could look up when the return of Optimus Prime was broadcast and just know that as the. I mean, it was a syndicated show. So I don't know how much control the producers had over what episodes aired in God, I wonder, whatever geographic region, but the intent was to have it as a lead off to the return of Optimus Prime. You know, I would think that probably on KDEB 27, on our local station that uh, aired the Transformers, they would almost have had to be obligated, or I would say not obligated, but like it would be in the best interest to air the movie on television as soon as possible so that they could set up people understanding season three. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they did. You know? They did ultimately air the movie on yeah, broadcast but television, it, but I don't think but it I don't was, think it was quick. Well, yeah, I don't think so it was before season. Did I watch season? Did I watch this? episode? I guarantee you watched before, this before, before I watched yeah. the movie. I did. I know I did. Wow, I don't remember, but I'm just. It's just. It's just interesting that for most people, I would say most people, uh, I. I didn't go. I don't even know if it was if the movie was aired in Springfield theaters. You know, right? If I would have watched all this and then, how did I learn that Prime died? You know what I mean? Well, yeah, you picked it up no... from context. He wasn't in the episodes, and then you saw this episode, and you were like, "Yeah, oh, that, I, that's how it worked for me." Yeah, I because uh, I a, didn't see it in that's theaters. That's interesting. Either. I, didn't, I think as a kid, I was just like, "Oh, I guess." Because uh, it does jump 20 years, and you know it jumps 20 years. It's, right. as, as Spike's an adult is your main cue. And um, so I just was like, I guess Prime must have died at some point. So then I watched the movie to kind of get me up to speed. Uh, that's aired on television. And then you can tell this villain is sort of like Megatron mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways. So, yeah, I mean, you had to piece it together yeah. from context in your little dumb not, child brain. Not that it obviously... Not, also not that you're making these connections or care, really. No, <laughs> like, that's what I was about to say. Like, as a kid... I feel like I was trying to make these I was connections because cur- I, I was, was confused. Kid. I didn't know why Transformers hmm. looked like this. I think uh, as a kid, I was probably curious I, I don't know if i was confused necessarily well i don't understand what you're saying i was probably curious and then probably I, I was smart enough to realize that something had happened and so i probably backfilled it and knew that i could backfill it by watching the movie so now i wonder if i saw the movie broadcast rather than renting it on vhs i know i Man. rented it a bunch okay yeah, Ryan used to have watch parties. Well, I mean, I wonder if I watched... Well, my mom worked at Diamond Video. I wonder if I watched it with you guys. It's possible. God, I wish I I remember could... a watch party remember? where Ryan had some people <laughs> over to the house to watch it. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I don't know who... I don't remember who else wow, was there. I wonder if I, I was there. I just remember being there and watching it for the first time at okay. Ryan's house. Hey, uh, newsflash, Autopod Decepticast, Aaron... Watched it at Ryan's house. <laughs> Where was I? Mark it in your notes. I don't know. Maybe I was there. Who knows? Bob Crane was there. Do we just want to simplify the APDC canon and say you were there? Yeah, sure. Jacob's Ladder. For those people who are keeping track. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I, I was fascinated. The chronology of things. Because, you know, a lot of kids experience, had, would have an experience it the same way. Like Mike Seibert. Well, yeah. No, not Mike Seibert. Unlike, 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 unlike Mike Seibert, who was yeah. like... I'm Mike Seibert, and I get to go to the movies like all the time. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> he did I just, see it twice I, in the theaters. I don't know if it was actually in theaters here. I don't it either. Was. 
I remember I remember it being in the you'd flip through the uh the newspaper, like the movies the movie advertisements were often close to the comics, which I uh would go to. And I remember seeing Transformers the movie, like the little ad for hmm. it in the newspaper. So it was definitely here. In the penny saver. <laughs> Yeah, we were too poor for the news leader. (laughs) We needed that free thing that showed up on (laughs) whether you wanted it or not. The one thing I'll close the loop on is I just looked up the return of Optimus Prime on the TF Wiki, and its air date was was February twenty fourth, nineteen eighty seven, which just blows me away. I mean, again, we are. It feels like a long time for us because we meet once a month to do this. But uh, that's so close to when the movie aired. It just is unbelievable. I can't remember how many episodes are in season three, but they jammed it's through them all between not that essentially many. September and February. Yeah, I think it's... Wow. Okay. So, Dark hey, Awakening. We're at the end of this episode. I uh, put an image up on the screen. To my knowledge, there aren't any official or even unofficial zombie prime toys. However, if you uh, do a little Googling, you can find a lot of really great customs that are out there. And though I've got one on the screen here that somebody did of a masterpiece MP01 prime uh, that looks very cool. And it's surprising to me that hasn't been issued by anyone. Yeah. Yeah, it does feel like a missed opportunity. I did buy an old junky MP01 Optimus Prime because I wanted to make my own version, and I've been too lazy, and I just haven't done it. But it is a thing that's out there. Two images that stick out to me in my head that I, I used to kind of confuse, but now I don't anymore, is the image of him his left eye being mm-hmm. ripped off, and there's a cylinder, you know, mm-hmm. that cylinder. And then uh, the one from the... Con- Which we see in the movie whenever uh, Megatron is formed in a Galvatron. Yeah. Ah, so similar. Uh, that's very cool. And then Optimus's uh situation where he's in the comics where he's like, says Prowl or something, and like he, his face place is removed, and it's like almost oh, like... Oh, that's very teeth. near the end, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a disturbing... Image. And it has a grid where his mm-hmm. teeth are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like Don't a skeleton. Like it. Nope. Like don't enjoy <laughs> zero stars. <laughs> Three out of five would change everything. <laughs> uh, so yeah, nothing too crazy. No real new voice actors or characters uh, introduced of note in this section. So I think we can take a trip in the real world. Hey, in the real world, Dark Awakening, October 1st, 1986, in the American Top 40, Stuck With You by Baby Huey and the News Corps is still at number one, so I decided on... Baby Huey actually is an R&B artist <laughs> of oh. his own variety. Well, so I just started just making those... up new ways of saying Huey Lewis and the News because I was tired of so talking about For it. those 60 soul fans out there, <laughs> we're not talking about that. Ba- yeah, he was a big fat guy, and he put out a phenomenal album, but then he died. He died young and early. Anyway. A lot of hip-hop guys do. Died as a baby. <laughs> well, he was uh, soul, but whatever. R.I.P. Coolio. Oh, yeah. Well, Timing on that. We mm-hmm. just talked about Coolio's hat. Mm-hmm. We in talked the, about on the infamous APC, APDC chat. If you want details, go to Mike Seibert Radio and <laughs> ask him. <laughs> and ask him. And we talked you. about it online as well, or on the, on on the, the pod. On we the did. show, yeah. 
Um, so I decided to do a Manic Monday by the Bengals. This single, that's a that's a that's a, a like a cheering like good one. Good one. <laughs> this single was released in January of 1986, receiving generally positive reviews and some comparisons to the Mamas and the Papas Monday Monday. Mm-hmm. This because <laughs> it had the word Monday. In it. It's true, but they also <laughs> do have similar themes, honestly. Because that's what I thought immediately as well. But then you look into it, it's like it does have similar. Um, when you hear themes, and then it also sounds some, a little yeah. similar. No, you're exactly right. When you hear that song, you actually, I, I, you almost, I think when I hear it, it almost sounds like a cover because it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's kind of a out of its time. Exactly. Of course, that was very common yeah. in the '80s to homage. It's true. It was a very different six, sound for 60s. the Bengals. They'd never mm-hmm. done anything like that. Uh, the song was written by Prince for uh, Apollonia's Apollonia Six's album, but he pulled it, and after two years, uh, he later offered it to the Bengals under the pseudonym Christopher. So Christopher got the songwriting credit. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. God damn, Prince was a genius, man. He really was. He's a good songwriter. Fantastic. I'm watching good. He was a brilliant songwriter. Yeah. He's aight. I mean, song. Wow, Aaron <laughs> taking him down from the grave. I'm just kidding. Uh, Matthew Greenwald from the website All Music said it's a cleverly and deceptively simple pop narrative, an infectious pop confection. There is also an excellently written bridge that shows Prince slash Christopher to be an excellent craftsman, and to their credit, the Bengals carry it off with style and wit. And it was the first big hit for the Bengals, peaking at number two in the U.S., U.K., Australia, and Canada, Germany, and Ireland. That's all I had about that song. It's cool. Good song. Great cool. song. And, and when you think 100%. about it, just stylistically, the name Manic Monday sounds like a Prince song. Like it, It's and, true. And I don't know any of the lyrics off the top of my it's head. It's just another I'm Manic sure. Monday. Wish it were a Sunday. That's my fun day. My I don't have to run day yeah it, it, that is that feels very prince and i think of songs like nothing yeah. compares to you which obviously made popular by sinead o'connor but also penned by prince uh, you it know that's him because... raspberry beret for some reason like his yeah. the, that it's a story song i uh, yeah i don't know how to I, I guess i don't know how to exactly articulate it but there's a certain way that prince writes his lyrics right. that is telltale mm-hmm. and uh yeah. i I feel like that song definitely it's also, has that. that. You say that. It's just, I didn't know it. That's yeah. It's very Prince. It's very interesting just to see how much Prince like not only for his own stuff, but like had like a spider web of like he not only creating other groups and stuff like that, but also like just um, he made so much content. He was like, "Do you want this?" Yeah. Like, he he was really good at like okay, like his persona. Like if he wrote a song, he could identify like okay, this is a Prince song. Mm-hmm. And then he wrote so much of the stuff, he'd be like, well, this is not really what I would consider a Prince persona song. This would be better suited for either where it's the time or if it's a song that I can put out there for somebody else. It's, a, it's just a really hooky pop song that I can put out mm-hmm. there for someone else to be interested in. He was a master of – he had a great up, uh, understanding of, of, of pop music, 
so you know in, in incorporating like soul and yeah, rock pop, yeah he just he knew pop really 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 well yet he uh decided to keep for himself bat dance <laughs> don't you talk i don't shit. hate that song don't you talk shit about wow. bat dance <laughs> he just aaron wants to tear prince no, down I love, today. I love prince shut up <laughs> shut up you shut up stop number one at the box office crocodile dundee reigns supreme at the theater so i picked a movie i'm fairly confident neither of you have seen the 1986 Ridley Scott vehicle, Legend. I've seen it. Oh, yeah. Why would we, Why would we not, not know about seen Legend? That? You've seen that. You haven't seen Friday the 13th Part 6. Yeah. Legend was a... I'm sorry, we're not... This makes I'm me sure insane. a much bigger movie. What's Legend. It was absolutely a way less known movie. Legend was a terrible... It was a but, cru- but it Friday got the, but decimated was, at the box office. Legend sure, was fine. marketed to kids, though. Le- no, I don't know about no. that. No, no, so? no, no, no. Legend was a terrifying super movie dark. as a kid. It it starts out Tim Curry's the like the the de- practically the devil, mm-hmm. and there's this weird place where they're like chopping up people and stuff, mm-hmm. and they're showing that in silhouette. It's a ter- like when I first saw that movie as a kid, it scared the shit out of me. Yeah, it's terrifying and, and super dark and like yeah. So I would not sta- say it's a kids movie at all. This movie stars Tom Cruise, Mia Sarah, and Tim Curry, yep. who turns in a fantastic performance in the crazy awesome makeup as the Lord of Darkness. I heard that was a painful costume to wear. It was. It really hurt his head. And it it took like six hours to get in and out of. Yes, so. Another movie that K-Deb ran. Yes. That's probably how I saw it. Yeah. K-Deb wasn't running Friday the 13th. They might have been, but I just didn't care. <laughs> I just don't I don't, care. I, I, I don't care about that hockey guy. <laughs> yeah, I um, you know, it's surprising. I you know I don't think K. Deb showed as much horror as they did fantasy. Whoever was there at the time, which is horror, odd. just wasn't something you played on network television. But generally. Legend is so messed up. Like uh, somebody at K. Deb in the eighties was big into showing Kroll. Mm-hmm. Legend, Dune was Dune, always on KDB. Someone was really into sci-fi and fantasy at that station. Horror, they weren't the, showing so Dark much. Dark Crystal, Dark Crystal, horror, not so much. Which I would think, it, you know, you could they could put out Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the Thirteenth. They just they might have. They just well, weren't I doing think the difference much. is that though that Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare or and Elm Street um, were very, very successful and yeah. therefore hard to license. Oh, I, I think you're, that's a good point. I remember if I ever watched those movies, we were always we were always at a sleepover, and it was on VHS, mm-hmm. and it was almost like you're getting this, and it's like a thing. This is an, I have this this point later, but this is another movie that I think is uh, maybe as popular now as a cult following because it was so cheap to license, so it got shown there a you bunch. Go. I think you're probably right on the money there. And so this movie, um, it's an epic dark fantasy revolving around Jack, played by Cruz. Jack has to stop the Lord of Darkness and his goblins from killing the unicorns in the forest and casting the world into eternal night and seducing Princess Lily, Sarah, into becoming his uh, Darkness's bride. It's actually a lot more complicated than what I just said. I'm trying to condense it because it's a very complicated movie. It's a fascinating, visually, it's a, I think it's a pretty fast, stunning It movie. really is. And also, I'll talk about that in a second, about the makeup, but like, uh, originally Ridley Scott pitched it to Disney, 
and because he based it on Beauty and the Beast and Disney animated films, but Disney thought it was too dark. Yeah, I agree with him there. Uh, just to back you guys up on that, the British Society of Cinematographers it won, it won the award for best cinematography in 1985. Yeah, it's a beautiful film. Yeah, um, the makeup effects were done by Rob. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing this name. Rob Rob Botton and his crew, the same guy who did uh, The Howling and The Thing. Uh, at the oh. time, Legend was the largest makeup crew ever dedicated to one project. The film <laughs> performed very poorly at the box yeah, office, it's bad. but was nominated, like you said, Aaron, for several awards, including Oscar for Best Makeup, and it made only $23.5 million on a $25 million budget. Uh, but as we say, it has gained a cult following yeah. in, in, in the years. Ridley Scott's movies are interesting. They're, they're, I, uh... It was rated PG. That's it. Well, yeah, I think yeah. it should have got a PG thirteen. I absolutely agree. <laughs> I it did scare the actual the living shit. It is out of scary. Me. It's a scary movie. Um, like this episode. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good segue. Back what care I for human hearts? That's a quote I remember from this movie. I I, I recall it as a very young Tom Cruise movie. Oh, uh, yeah. Just as I'm flipping around through Wikipedia, Johnny Depp, Jim Carrey, and Robert Downey Jr. were all considered mm-hmm. for that role. Tom Cruise. Can you imagine Jim Carrey? <laughs> <laughs> Jim Carrey almost was a leading actor sort of type uh, back in the 80s. Because this was way before he was popular. Yes, before, way before Ace Ventura. Yeah. He was trying I mean, I guess it. he is a leading actor, but all generally comedic roles. Well, he, you know I mean? Yeah, in the 90s, he was enormous. Yeah, like there's a picture of uh, Tim Curry getting into makeup, and the the horns in particular, they were forward, they weren't straight up, so they were forward facing a little bit. So it had to be like reinforced on his neck, and like getting into it and out of it was a, was pretty painful. And apparently, uh, there was I don't have this in my notes, but I read it like um, there was one instance where he because he had to soak in a bath to get it to loosen to get the, it off his head, and at one point he became like claustrophobic and impatient and wanted to get it off, so he pulled it off pulling a bunch of his skin off with it. So they had to shoot around him for like six weeks so his Jeez. face could ha- heal. Jesus Christ. This picture on Wikipedia, just the dichotomy, you see the character's like ripped torso, but you see Tim Curry's soft Tim Curry and arms coming Rid- off the side. Ridley Scott chose Tim Curry for this specifically after seeing Rocky Horror. And Tim Curry's great. Oh, he's I think, amazing. I think, I think we can agree, just in general. It seems like... <laughs> This is true from just colloquialism, like colloquial, like uh, not colloquial is not the right word. What's the word whenever you uh, hear somebody say something and it's not necessarily scientific? Um, just common knowledge or uh, uh, like conversation, whatever. All the, by, the, by the way, if you if you love Tim Curry, please go check out The Worst Witch. I've heard of The Worst Witch. Mm-mm. Mm. Okay. <laughs> well. I was, what I was getting at was like Tim Curry, in particular, his voice is, was a lot of uh, sexual awakening for a lot of people. In this movie, just in general, hmm. Hello. Like especially in uh, like as Hexus in uh, uh, the Fern Gully. There's my a lot first of... exposure to Tim Curry was the movie Oscar, which was kind of a sexual <laughs> <Dr>. awakening <laughs> for me in the form of Marissa Tomei being super cute. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't have put Tim Curry as. I didn't find her sexual in that movie. I I thought she was really cute in that movie, but I'm, yeah, whatever. Doctor Poole. You think she's cute now? I'm sure. I think she's cute no matter what. I just don't. 
I would say I'm not. I'm you. not sexually attracted to Marissa Torme. Uh, is that Mel Torme's daughter? No, it's different. Torme. I'm, I'm just. Oh, okay. I'm joking because oh, I'm Hey-o. making moving, fun of Ryan's. Moving right along. Flubbed speech. Not, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for calling out <laughs> Mushmouth Jet. <laughs> He's taking everybody down today, folks. <laughs> uh, fun facts from this weekend. Fuck you, Prince and <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> and the purple horse you rode in on. I don't care what's, where you are in the spectrum of success. <laughs> I've got your ass. I didn't have any specific fun facts from this week, but I did have a real, real world comment slash question, and it's toy related. So my girlfriend told me this a long time ago, and it actually came up again last night, and I wrote this down. She told me that a lot of um, the scenarios she played out with her Barbies and other dolls involved them being kidnapped, killed, and mutilated, or like held for hostage. Like one particularly creative macabre storyline involved them being kidnapped and murdered by a serial killer and then hung on hooks underneath her bed. And I apparently this is not strange. Like a lot of young girls have these kinds of toy play with their dolls. So my question to everyone, women, men, non-binary listeners, does this resonate with you? Um, did you do this? Because I'm the most interested in horror and murder and macabre person I know and always have been. And that wasn't really my play, but it's it does seem to be pretty pervasive, especially among young girls. I can't comment on that. We'll see. I write in to tell us about it. I'm really kind of interested. Like, uh, like when we talked about porn in the woods. I want to hear your stories. Ask your partners. I'm really interested, just from an information gathering standpoint. Alexis, maybe we can collaborate on a paper about this. Mike Seibert, ask your wife. Let us know what she <laughs> says. That's it. That's the real world. I, I, it, it's genuinely fascinating to me. Okay, I'm really curious to see what kind of response we get. I, I don't know. I'm also scared. Crip <laughs> <Rip> deviations. <laughs> Not a lot on this one. Written by Antone Zaluski. I don't know why I did Italian. Um, as hey. We... <laughs> hey, that's a spicy meatball. One accent we can still do uh, with abandon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. As we found, or rather not found, uh, script three or season three scripts are pretty thin on the ground. They're thin in the air. Just generally pretty trim. Just thin all over the place. I can't find another one until we get to episode like 106. In this episode, um, Anthony Zalewski is a British writer who also penned episodes of Super Friends, Challenge of the Gobots, and G.I. Joe. In a David Wise move, Zalewski copied the opening scene here from the 1985 Superpowers Team Galactic Guardians episode, Ghost Ship. The parallels include Pursuit Through Space, Launching an Escape Pod. Uh, in that one, they turn the cockpit into an escape pod just in time. Right up to Spike's verbatim quote, it's the size of Manhattan. Hmm. We, we talked about Tommy Kennedy in season five in our re-review of the movie, and this is one of the episodes with that wraparound format. It begins with Tommy asking Power Master Prime to tell him on the record how Prime came back from the dead. And then after the episode, Tommy says, <laughs> you said you were going to tell me about how you were brought back for life. And instead, you tell me a story where you weren't really brought back to life at all. And even if you were, you'd be dead again by now. And that's how he delivered that's, that. He's from Long Island. Um, and then Prime tells Tommy that uh, there's more than meets the eye to this story. And then the two of them fly off to buy more tape because Tommy's recorder ran out of footage. I'm on the edge of my seat on this whole Tommy Power Master Prime. 
saga. <laughs> That's script deviations. Rate the scheme. What is the Rate scheme? The, I guess scheme. it's a Quintesson scheme. The, the, the Quintessons are playing with the, uh, the emotions I'm, of the Autobots. It's a pretty good scheme. I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it a. You know, I'll give it a nine. I'll give it a nine on scheme. It's a good scheme. It's a fucked up scheme. Yeah, yeah. I I like it when they play with your emotions uh, mm-hmm. as well as just you know come up with a plan to kill you. Mm-hmm. You know, I I'll even give it a ten. In fact, they rely on your emotions to yeah. like if yeah if the Autobots just don't fall in line to prime being their leader yeah. this scheme doesn't work well they, yeah it's so they it's, count on that. it is definitely playing on like and, and when he gets to cybertron prime gets to, everybody is like well yeah it's optimus prime of course we're they, gonna follow his orders they know hey they know the the quintessons know the autobots and it works flawlessly we'll see more about that next I, I the only thing i the only I, i'll tell you what the only thing i think the quintessons should have taken advantage of was trying to get the matrix back in their possession as soon as possible and should have had prime probably come to the quintessons instead of doing this I don't, thing that they did hmm, that brings up a question i don't know that the quintessons ever care about the matrix oh, yeah? and like it's another question of hmm. i think the matrix was a was built by the autobots uh-huh. like it was uh, it's a holy relic of the autobots okay it does bring into question a lot of things about the the metaphysics of this universe. Yeah. Like, Prime, in theory, if he exists, if any sentience of him exists, it's oh. in the Matrix, which is not in his right. corpse. But somehow his real personality is still embedded in his body, and the Quintessons uh-huh. activate that. Well, so they would have like- been better off just creating an AI version of Optimus Prime programmed to the way that mm-hmm. they specifically like it. Um, oh, sort of like that season, one or, I can't remember, one or two episode where Megatron is controlling the fake Prime. Right. He's like, come here, Bumblebee. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that Good like question. that would have that helped them out. But Where's the soul? It would have made this a yeah. much weaker episode, Where though. does the sure. soul live? And the Quintessons would have won well, and we'd be done. And Rodimus Prime <laughs> literally says... Prime can't be alive. The Matrix would have told me. Right. Oh, so yeah. it's weird that some of the spark of his existence is still inside is his mm-hmm. programming. Yeah. yeah. But it's also weird that, to some degree or another, it's almost like the movie Awakenings. Like he's well, still alive. In I there. look well, at remember, it as. Sorry, Caleb. Go ahead. Remember that when there is that final instance where Prime is able to take control of himself. The matrix glows inside of him. Mm-hmm. So maybe at that point, by assuming the matrix, the li- the 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 whatever you the life spark or whatever you call it of prime that lives inside the matrix was able to yeah. finally yeah. overcome That's the a- zombie prime. Yeah, totally. And 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 was able to then like direct the prime corpse to because uh, the matrix is pure goodness to a, yeah. an extent. I sort of view it like as like a person having a lobotomy like the person is still there but their impulse to do a lot of things is gone like they're kind of a half person sure no you're right Uh, it is interesting though to see some of prime's reactions before he assumes the matrix like well he didn't try to kill anybody right until he had the matrix in him okay yeah yeah. i anyway it's 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 actually a very interesting I'm glad that they cut the scene where Rodimus put a pillow over Prime's face and then threw a water fountain through a window and went running off into the horizon. Yep.
<laughs> Great. That's Would good. that make <laughs> Quintessence like Nerd's Ratchet? <laughs> yeah, sure. And uh, Which, by the way, Ratchet was named after that character. Oh, it really was. He I really see it. Was. He is so. He was pretty it is salty. A reference. Oh it God. is a reference yeah. to that movie. Or to, yeah, to that, to that story. Uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. For those just now tuning in. Uh, All right. So okay, we can. We can. I am the ghost of the iconic moment. <laughs> you know. This is. It uh, feels like it's full of them. I you mean, guys go first because I got a bunch. Prime. Prime. Crap. Prime dying again, and the his the flames exposing like the the cylinder eyeball. That that image is burned mm-hmm. into my memory even since childhood. That him, uh, you know, sure. get, guiding the the ship or the whatever it is into the star. Yep, or whatever the asteroid. I don't remember. But Detonator. You know I mean. Yep. I just noted that first reveal where Daniel discovers the. Optimus Prime's body, and um, it's covered in cobwebs mm-hmm. and very disintegrated. I guess uh, you know it's 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 broken up pretty pretty strongly. Yeah. So that first the first reveal. Well, here is mine, and this is where I my thesis on Rodimus. That's a lot of bullets on your page. There are. Go. Uh, it goes on to the next page. <laughs> okay. So, uh, for me, the iconic part about this episode is Rodimus Prime. So Rodimus had some questionable decisions, especially when they first discovered Optimus, like forcing the Matrix on him and saying, who cares? He's back. And I definitely think I'm reading too much into this, but here we go. So Rodimus is plagued with doubt and I think questions his own leadership a lot, especially, and he literally says in five faces, he really isn't that interested in the more diplomatic functions of being a leader. The comparison doesn't work perfectly, but Rodimus feels more to me like Jim Kirk and Optimus more like Jean-Luc Picard. And also remember, I'm sure Rodimus still blames himself for Prime's death, certainly to some extent. So he he must feel relief to see Prime and the giddiness and relief to have like give this burden back and to put down his own grief and guilt must have been huge. Like the first thing he says to Optimus is, what are your orders, sir? Optimus is such a huge figure, like such a shadow, such a beloved character, not only for Rodimus, but also for all Autobots. And I think we can cut Rodimus some slack for his reaction on first seeing him being like, please take this from me. It's ironic because that attitude, how huge and beloved Optimus was, is echoed by the fans and viewers. Um, But the creators of the product kind of didn't see it, (laughs) fucking killing him twice. And then when Rodimus gets over the hero worship and the awe of Optimus, when he sees that people who need him to take action, he does. And I think that's always been Hot Rod slash Rodimus' greatest strength. He cares so much about people. Um, maybe not Daniel in the suffocation joke, or maybe that was just like a whistling through the graveyard thing. But uh, he's always willing to do what it takes to save others, despite the threat to himself. So through the first half of this episode, Rodimus calls Optimus just Prime, which is technically a title. And then as soon as Rodimus figures out what's going on, there's a like a switch, and he starts calling him just Optimus, to the point where when Hot Rod punches through the blast doors, he says, Optimus, front and center. So to me, this is like, it's a really a Rodimus episode. There's a lot of reading into it that is... That I've done? Between all the lines... 
Uh, well, no, I don't know if you did research to come to no, these No, this is all my thoughts. That, but I, I mean, I like the character building that you've assigned to this. I wonder how incidental that is. I think it's completely to the incidental. actual script writing. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Like, because you're right. By the end, I mean, Rodimus states, I mean, that this whole event has inspired him to be an even better mm-hmm. leader. So I, everything that happens, it's, it's, he takes away something from it as uh, mm-hmm. he grows even more. So, I mean, I can, I can kind of see that. Like he, uh, it is a kind of a Rodimus episode. He is the one that gets the growth. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree a hundred percent. The story progresses. Yep. That I, doesn't mean Caleb, you still hate Rodimus. <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't hate him. <laughs> but actually, I think you make some really good points. It, it is it. I can see it being a Rodimus episode because for me, that's where I was focusing. And if I look at it in a way where I see maturity, then uh, uh, then then that's good. I just wish he didn't fooled go. You. I just wish he didn't go. Ha ha! Fooled you. If that, he, if, that was, if, I agree. If that he was hadn't have done that ridiculous. and handled that situation better, then I would have been on board. And I know I, I'm, I just agree. In, I'm just reading into it, and it's you know it's a it's a cartoon episode. But hey, we're just joking around here, folks. <laughs> yeah, but the ha ha fooled you part really threw me. <laughs> but so, also just the whole I think, like I think take it, this matrix away from me. I think just when I just when I think that Rod, like uh, Hot Rod is growing as a character. I don't think he's saying "ha ha fooled you" to Prime. I think he's saying "ha ha fooled you" to the to the viewers. "Ha ha fooled you." I'm not growing. <laughs> I don't. I d- yeah. you're just when I just when you. I'm like I, I, just when I'm like on his side. I'm like okay, he is growing as a person here, and um, then he just says "ha ha fooled me." Now you're the me. one. Th- th- oh, yeah. All right, all right. Yeah. You're the one reading your own. Okay, yeah. I respect it. But, I mean, I'm being silly, but I totally think that that's a really good analysis. Somebody give me a Pulitzer. <laughs> Is there a podcast yeah. Pulitzer? There should be. The the potties? Ew. The, po- the potties. <laughs> uh, don't go to the potties. <laughs> Next time on the Autobot Decepticast. Well, we're going to have ourselves a classic time travel episode, maybe a little bit of lore. <laughs> Hey, if uh, you'd like to support the show, of course, there's our Patreon page. You can mm-hmm. go there, check it out, see all the levels of support, see the goodies that 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 come. We're with, mixing up that come with sponsoring us. Uh, you can check out our wares at the APDC store. Buy it. Yeah, hey, we're gonna. It's booty box season. We're gonna start production of some items really soon. Finally, here's a here's a little preview. What is that? You don't know. Do it faster. There you go. <laughs> what is that? Finally, of course, there's our other side hustle. Ryan, maybe you tell us a little bit more about it. Hey, if you'd like to uh, support the show and buy us a drink. If you want to toast the podcast <laughs> and your credit don't stink, then reach inside your wallet now and buy us a drink. You can do so by sending us uh, five doll hairs to at apodcast uh, on PayPal. Tell us what kind of drink you'd like me to make, why, whatever you'd like me to shout out, um, and we will put it on the show.
I was half expecting him to trigger it one more time. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never know. You'll never know. It's always a delightful surprise. Uh, additionally, feel free to give us a review. Stars on the Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, Bye, Google Play. If you are uh, an international listener, let us know. We can't always have immediate line of sight to that. You could party with us virtually on Patreon as well as Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Mostly Twitter, but we're gonna we're, we're gonna get better, right, guys? There's a lot of fun stuff like socially going on on Patreon. It's 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 really cool. All of the all of them you can find us at a podcast. And again, show notes, follow up materials, pictures of Ryan's mom working at Diamond Video. <laughs> renting inappropriate videos that we would then find and watch. All of that can be found Jesus Christ. at our web presence, autopoddeceptivecast.com. I mean do to, put some Didn't fun mean upstairs. to insinuate that she would uh, to set it up and have us view those inappropriate videos. Watch this. Ryan would just find them, as you do. I was always eagle-eyed for porn. porn. Um, but porn, yeah, go to our... Hunt 87. Go to our website. I put some fun stuff up there. Eh, you know, that's it. <laughs> This was a good episode. This was a good episode. I really enjoyed this episode. Bye. Bye. Do we have anything else? All right. Bye. 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 Oh, you're a big heavy cat. Oh. She is dense. She's, I think, eleven or twelve pounds. She's twice but she doesn't as look heavy. like a fatty. She's twice as heavy. As She's my got dog. some pretty significant tits. Gross! Don't talk about my chest like that. She, uh, we. I don't know if you saw that guy who's hanging on the wall in the living room. I just got. Uh, no. You didn't. You walked right by it. <laughs> it's hard to spot things in this house sometimes. <laughs> I don't understand what that means. There's just a lot of texture uh, everywhere. But, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> she likes this thing so much. Like it's very on brand. Oh, that's cool. Cat. Nice. What a good cat. Did you make that face? No, this is a, just an impulse buy. It's an animatronic guy who says three different things. What's it say? Oh, we'll, I'll show you on a break. <laughs> I don't remember. It's funny though. <laughs> I didn't memorize Happy it. Happy Halloween. <laughs> hey, fuck nuts. <laughs> Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> no, he's like, Epstein was framed. <laughs> he's a good guy. Cool. I, I think know. Kevin Spacey's cool. <laughs> Kevin Spacey. There's something spooky out tonight, and I think it's you. <laughs> Have you come for a treat? Or for a trick? <laughs> Sponsor of Autopod Decepticast. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs>